And now, introducing the man who was backstage at a halftime show, ready to make his world debut performing the female part of Eminem Superman, but he was pushed for 50 cent. When reached for comment, he said, I was okay with being pushed for 50, but I was not okay with them giving him my tank top. I worked out for months and now have nothing to show for it. His flex would have been better than sex. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Happy Valentine's Day, Paul. Of course, my Valentine every every year moving forward. Now that's the way that it works. To hell with the wives. It's just us. I uh, I was I, hoping you'd say that. I got you. I got you um, exactly what it is that you wanted. I'll do that dance for you a little bit later <laughs> on. But we'll turn it. We'll oh, you got to promise around. that you're gonna uh, wear the Mike Shashevsky underpants. Yeah, I'm gonna pass. Gonna pass on ever putting those back on in my life. Um, I hope you all had a good uh, a Super Bowl evening. I hope you've uh, recovered and you managed to get your life back together uh, ahead of having to go back to work today. Uh, Mrs. Clark did a little bit of drinking, but she's able to do that because she's still in the old Kobe quarantine. So she's just like, I don't care. Oh, she uh, she had herself a night. Uh, we got a lot to do on the program today. Coming up a little bit later on this hour, our friend Kadria Smile will join us. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. We'll talk some Ravens as well with him. Uh, later on this morning, Jackie McWilliams is going to check in. She is the commissioner of the CIAA, and of course, as we know, the CIAA is coming to Baltimore. The 2022 CIAA men's and women's basketball tournaments will be right here at Royal Farms Arena. Great college basketball action, and on top of that, just an incredible event that surrounds the tournament. You can get your tickets right now by going to CIAATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org to get your tickets February 22nd through 26th. So it's coming up a little bit quicker. You might say to yourself, well, you know, boy, college basketball tournament season isn't for a few weeks. At the D1 level, of course, this is not the D1 level. This is... um, it's something that's so special in and of itself that you got to separate it a bit. The CIAA tournament is a monumental event, and we are so glad to be hosting it here in Baltimore. We'll chat with Jackie McWilliams, the commissioner of the CIAA, about that later this morning. Jeremy Conn will make his weekly appearance, and of course, stuff and things as always on the program. Um, my conversation about the Super Bowl is largely going to be sprung right from the column. That's what I always do. I give away my Monday column. Um, it'll come right from that. I've been doing this for years. It's my 21 thoughts at the end of the 2021 season. And I begin just by saying, look, it's a completely empty feeling. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing about the Rams on the whole winning the Super Bowl that's embraceable on the whole, right? Uh, There's individual stories and we'll get to those. But the team, this, the Los Angeles Rams, they're not real. They're an industry plant, as I've been saying for weeks. They were forced into a market at the cost of a $790 million settlement or lawsuit settlement. There's no fan base there. They literally hosted the Super Bowl, and yet their Rams fans were outnumbered by Bengals fans. There's, there's nothing there. They exist for the sake of existence. And when you combine that with the sort of mercenary feeling of this group, there's no emotional for the casual football fan. There's no, yeah, but I just really feel good for that fan base. Or, yeah, but I just really feel good for that franchise. If anything, it's the exact opposite. It's the thing where 
it made it difficult for us to even root against the team that's in our own division because we were like, really, them? Like, them? That's who you want us to feel good about? Mm, there's nothing to feel good about that. It, it, it's that's, that's nothing. So there was an emptiness to it in that way. Okay, so it happened. You acknowledge it. You certainly aren't going to say that the Rams weren't deserving of winning the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. That's, that's the end of it. They won the game. But to feel good about it? No, there's nothing to feel good about. You want to feel good about individual stories? Plenty of individual stories to feel good about. Obviously, Matthew Stafford went through years upon years of misery in Detroit. We always knew he was talented, but he was long-suffering. Sure, feel good for Matthew Stafford. The Hall of Fame thing seems a bit over the top to me, but that's I, I also kind of get it. We kind of treat quarterbacks this way. You put up big numbers, you win a Super Bowl, we essentially say, well, you might be a Hall of Famer. Matthew Stafford has had a more productive and more prolific career than Eli Manning. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, and we've all kind of gotten together and decided that's enough to get somebody into the Hall of Fame. I disagree. I don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think he's someone who's going to get into the Hall of Fame in large part because he played in New York, and that's sort of the way that this conversation gets dictated. I think if Eli Manning won two Super Bowls and had the same career in Carolina, I don't think the conversation would be the same because I don't think it would be dictated the same way by a smaller media base. But the media base in New York has dictated the conversation that Eli Manning is a, is a Hall of Famer because he won two Super Bowls. If he had done it in Carolina, but he still beat Tom Brady twice, don't you don't think that would be... No, because I don't think the conversation would be the same way. The conversation is driven by this massive media base. But this is where people are, and they're watching, and we can tell you how special these Super Bowl runs were. He was, an, he was a good quarterback. At times, not a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, winning two Super Bowls alone, to me... I, 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 there is no comparison because I get it's the quarterback position is so unique within American sport. There's no way to compare it. There's no possible way to compare it to any other thing. But, you know, David Freeze had some amazing postseasons. It doesn't make David Freeze a Hall of Famer. And I've said before, the Kurt Schilling argument is based entirely on the postseason And even before he went crazy, I didn't think it was a slam dunk that he was a Hall of Famer. I I, I think the postseason... We're getting off on a tangent because who cares? Um, But that's what we do. You win a Super Bowl, you put up prolific numbers, we need some sort of... we, We need some other conversation to have, so let's debate whether you're a Hall of Famer. And at some point, because of the nature of the position, we just say you are. I don't think Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. I think he's been prolific on bad teams and ended up in a place where he won a Super Bowl. And, you know, the career's not over, presumably, for Matthew Stafford. Maybe he'll continue to do things that'll make me say, you know what, the hell with it, doesn't matter. We have to recognize it. Maybe he will. But at the moment, I don't feel that way. But I get it. There's something to feel about Matthew Stafford and everything that he's been through. And obviously, um, you know, his family, of course, what his wife went through. If you want to feel good for Matthew Stafford, I can certainly understand you feeling good for Matthew Stafford. The slam dunk one for the average football fan is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is one of the greatest football players we've ever seen. Aaron Donald is 
If he really is thinking about retiring, go ahead and put my mind. two busts in the Hall of Fame for him. He's the greatest player we've ever seen at the position. Aaron Donald is otherworldly. It's insane what Aaron Donald's done in his football career. I mean, it truly is, and and somehow still not fully appreciated because it's not so easily defined. Aaron Donald has rewritten and, frankly, ruined an entire position. We don't know how to judge other defensive tackles in football because we hope that they could all be Aaron Donald, and none of them can. There's not one. He has separated himself. It is a class of one player that in the history of football that is capable of doing what Aaron Donald can do. And then there's everybody else, including really good ones. Geno Atkins was a really good defensive tackle and is nowhere close. And Damakong Su, really good defensive tackle, nowhere close. Aaron Donald is in a world of his own. And seeing him enjoy it and embrace, that's an embraceable football story. The Rams as a team are not. Aaron Donald winning a Super Bowl, someone who has been in one place, technically not one place because, of course, the franchise moved, but the same franchise for his entire career. There's nothing mercenary about that. This isn't like Odell Beckham showing up a few weeks ago. That's not an embraceable story. You can hate the Browns all you want. There's nothing embraceable about Odell Beckham. Nothing embraceable about Von Miller. Eric Weddle playing the entire we'll get, game with we'll Torn get, We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, okay. We'll get there. Don't read ahead. Sorry. Um, Aaron Donald is an embraceable football story. It, it doesn't matter who you root for. It doesn't matter who you root against. If you can't appreciate the greatness of Aaron Donald, it's because he ain't trying. It's because you don't want to. Aaron Donald is otherworldly. And truly, quite possibly... Even in this era of wonderful quarterbacks, maybe the best football player of a generation based on what he does. No one has been so head and shoulders above anyone else at their position. Spare me the Justin Tucker thing. He's a kicker. I God love him. I love him. Trust me. I love him. He's a kicker. There's no comparison. There isn't another position in football where one player has been so much better than anyone who's ever played the position. That's a football story. That's incredible. If he wants to retire, I get it. I mean, like, you, you got your health, you're young, you've accomplished everything. There's, what the F else could Aaron Donald do? His career is not going to be defined by some particular stat because he plays defensive tackle. There's nothing for him to chase in order to permanent. All we can say is those of us that got to watch that dude play know he's the greatest player that ever played his position by far. So why not walk away? And if he doesn't, he doesn't. He certainly doesn't have to. But if he does, and if he just says, look, man, what the hell else is there for me to accomplish? I'm, I'm wealthy. I, I've got my health. Tip my cap. Respect. 100% if he chooses to do that. i got to ask you a question real quick, going back to the whole Eli Manning thing. We're saying that I'm not, I'm not really interested in doing more Eli Manning talk. We're wanna, talking about well, the I, Super Bowl. I know, but I just want to ask, Phil Simms was a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback with the New York Giants, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Different era. I, I, it's a different media era more than yeah. anything. I think if Phil Simms played in this era, and he didn't win two Super Bowls. Jeff Hostetler was the quarterback oh, for one of them. That's so true. That's not true either. But he was on the t- – he, he was on – yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um – 
and I don't know. I don't know if he had been the quarterback for both of them if Phil Sims would be in the. I, I couldn't tell you. It's a it's a hypothetical that I got it. I'd, I'd have to think about it a little bit. I more. forgot about Jeff Hosteller. It's a stupid question. Um. Back. So the Aaron Donald thing by far the most embraceable, you know, national story to all of this. The Eric Weddle thing, of course, on the local front. You know, I I I've I've struggled with this because I think. I think it's a better football story than it is a, a Baltimore story. I, I think we we are guilty of this often where we, because we like someone, we, we overemphasize what they did when they were here. And I don't mean this to be disrespectful to Eric Weddle, but Eric Weddle was in Baltimore for three seasons and never won a playoff game. He wasn't the player he was with the Chargers. He was a, he was still a good player, and more than anything, he was a likable player, mm. and that means a lot. I I, I don't I'm trying to dismiss that. I have so much reverence for guys that are likable and that embrace the city they're in and embrace the community and want to be a part of it. Eric Weddle moved his entire family here, and even stayed for a little while. Um, after he signed with the Rams. Like, there's so much to like about Eric Weddle, but I I don't know how far down the list you'd have to get in Ravens history to get to Eric Weddle on the list of the all-time great Ravens. I mean, top top 100 maybe? Like, it's he's by no means a Ravens legend. And we've, in part because we wanted something to touch about this Super Bowl, and in part just because of how likable he is on the whole, we've kind of oversold that in the last few weeks. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to Eric Weddle, who, I, again, I like a great deal. But that's a football story to me more than it's a local story. It's us grasping to try to have a touch of the Super Bowl that we've portrayed Eric Weddle as sort of being ours. Now, the argument that some people have made is, well, he always he felt like the type of player that, that fit the Ravens' personality and should have been here longer than he was. Uh, okay, okay, but you're rewriting history. It was far more significant to watch Torrey Smith when he was with the Eagles. We just didn't feel the same emotional tie because he already won a Super Bowl, right? It wasn't as significant. Eric Weddle had a little brief stint in Baltimore. And yeah, it was neat to see him sort of get emotional when he was asked about it at a press conference last week. It makes us feel pretty, right? Like, it somehow makes us feel like we had something to do with it. Tell me I'm pretty. But we have definitely oversold the local aspect of that story. Out of the desire to feel like we're part of something. Eric Weddle had a very, very brief stint in Baltimore and was a good football player during those times on on a couple of bad teams and then ultimately one good one and that's all that's not a knock on Eric Weddle he's had a remarkable career in football and it's an incredible story him jumping off the beach after two years away from the game stepping in playing significantly playing through this torn peck throughout the course of the Super Bowl it's a great football story it's a mostly non-existent local story that we're trying to force, again, because the Super Bowl is being played and we want to feel like we're part of it somewhat, somehow. I like Eric Weddle a lot. I really do. I really, on a personal level, there were a few guys that were more pleasant to deal with 
and would put up with my nonsense. That was a time when I was writing sort of sillier stories. I was trying to, that was the concept that we had for a little while at uh, Pressbox, was that I was going over there once a week, the way that I used to when I was in, in radio, and I was finding some sort of fun, and more fun or lighthearted angles in order to approach, some of which turned out to be wonderful and, and tremendous stories, others that were complete duds. I've talked openly about I went over one day to talk to Tony Jefferson about how he turned his social media off at the beginning of every season. And then literally as we were having the conversation, he was like, dude, I don't really care about this. And just started tweeting again. Just literally decided in the middle of an interview that I was doing about with him about how he never tweets during the season that he was going to start tweeting during the season. They didn't all work out. Not everything that I did. But like Eric Weddle, of course, you know, everybody wanted to write about the ice cream. One year, he just started wearing gloves. And I was like, that's interesting. And I went over and we spent 20 minutes talking about why he suddenly was wearing gloves that season. And it's a dumb, dumb topic that really isn't worthy of all that much conversation. But he was more than happy to talk about it. He's a really good guy. Uh, we, we put him on the cover of Pressbox one Christmas and... He invited Bo Smolka to come to his house and sit with him and meet his family and get to know what they're all about. Eric Weddle's a wonderful person. Incredible person. I mean this with all due respect. Anthony Levine is a more significant Raven and also a wonderful person. We want to feel like we're part of something. And I get that. I, I really do understand it. The Super Bowl's being played. How does how are, how does that have anything to do with me? Let's remember the times the Ravens were in the Super Bowl. Let's all freak out about some stupid graphic that NBC put up about a uh, guy's name Joe. Well, you're missing Joe Flacco. Well, okay. I mean, they gave a qualification. You had to win a national championship. But that's also a weird qualification. Like it's yeah. the, the graphics weird. Nobody's arguing that. Like the if the story was about all the Joes, like you know, hello. We all want to feel like it's the, the constant tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm pretty. Tell me this has something to do with me in some sort of way. This one ain't about you. It's okay. You've had yours. Baltimore fans, you've had your moments. Those didn't really have anything to do with you either. <laughs> but you got them. And you were able to feel like you were part of it in some sort of way. This one had nothing to do with you. I, I I was bummed that Jake Funk and Blake Countess were both inactive for the game. Of course, Blake's an Owings Mills native, and Jake, obviously the former Damascus star, and uh, and Marilyn Terrapin, real bummer for them that they were inactive. But they'll both get rings, and so that's cool. Rob Havenstein from um, from Linganore, Mount Airy native, is going to be a Super Bowl champion, and that's a cool thing, and he's obviously a huge part of them winning the Super Bowl. Former Terp Antoine Brooks uh, gets to call himself a Super Bowl champion for the rest of his life. Those are those are cool things, uh, uh, bully for them, but very insignificant for the most part in terms of trying to find a local connection to the Super Bowl. Um, the only other Rams thoughts that I really have are I, I, the thing about Sean McVay that suddenly popped up at the end of last week where he was like, I could walk away, go spend some time with my family, start a family. He's getting married this offseason and sent a lot of the internet into uh, the search function to find out that he was marrying a Ukrainian model who is like 31 years old and not unattractive. And they're like, oh, we kind of get it. Well, I think that it's more has to do with what I talked about with the mercenary nature of the Rams. If you're Sean McVay and you know you still don't have a first-round pick for the next couple of seasons, 
And you're hearing Aaron Donald talk about maybe he's going to walk away. And you know there's got to be an expiration date on some of these other guys. Like Cooper Cup's probably going to be there for a while. But like the rest of them, this, this was not built to last. They went all in to win now and maybe again next season. And if Aaron Donald comes back, I would certainly, if I was Sean McVay, be a little bit more inclined to say, let me see if I could run it back one more time. But if Sean McVay and, and his soon-to-be wife want to start having kids and he's like, I want a Super Bowl, I'm still young and good-looking, I would probably be very desirable for all of the TV networks, I, I, would, I would get it because this doesn't appear as though it's going to be something that can sustain for the next five to ten years in Los Angeles, given the lack of, of young players, given the lack of draft picks they've had, and young impact players on the roster. So I I, I think, yeah, it, sir, I'm not trying to say that he's lying about it being wanting to spend time with his family. I'm, I'm, that might be very well be true. But I, I think it has a lot to do with the reality of the circumstances, which are we did what we did to try to win now. Like Sean Payton felt the exact same thing in New Orleans. They went all in, and they didn't try to win one more with Drew Brees and looked around like this don't look good for another few years maybe I'll duck out for a minute and see how I feel in a year from now and what jobs might be available that I might want to have and I could absolutely see Sean McVay doing something like that too which is realize smell the room and then say okay it, it might be time to take a break and then I can always come back and coach again if I like uh, the only other thought I had on the Rams was the MVP thing. It's a real bummer. Uh, not that Cooper Cup isn't a deserving Super Bowl MVP. He obviously was a, a major part of them winning. But to find out, and I had forgotten about this from, you know, it's been nearly a decade since I covered a Super Bowl. I had totally forgotten about this. They c- start collecting MVP ballots with two minutes left. I would think that if they waited till the end of the game, there might have been a little more debate about whether or not Aaron Donald should have been the Super Bowl MVP. And I know there's been some people today that have pointed out that Aaron Donald probably should have been whistled for offsides on the final play. Fair. Fair. There's that one image that makes it look pretty damning and, and not great. But given the totality of the game and given the fact that he wasn't whistled as offsides, I would think that if maybe he waited till the end of the game to do that, there would be... Not a guarantee that Aaron Donald would have been MVP, but probably a little bit more interesting. That seems like a bad system that I'd probably look to fix. I'd probably look to fix that MVP voting system at some point. Um, my buddy Chris Pica, who was an NFL PR guy for a long time, pointed out that, it's, that it used to be there were 19 voters for MVP. If you can't start like a, a Slack channel for those 19 MVP voters and say, when the game is over you may tell us here who your vote is for. Come on. I mean, we're acting like this is 1994 and you got to, you, you can come up with a better system. Wait till the game is over. I mean, imagine, right? Like imagine another scenario where somebody makes this spectacular game winning play with five seconds left. And they're like, eh, sorry, too bad. We've already, we've already made our decision. Like, come on, man. Come on, that's, that's dumb. That's bad. So those are all my Rams thoughts from from the Super Bowl. They're again, you know, they won. That's what it is. They won, and they went all in to do it. And I and I think that's there's an, another part of it. By the way, that like it feels so unRavens like what they did to trade away your picks and to 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 do this type of thing that 
a lot of people feel like a, a level of distaste about that. And I think there's a flip side argument that some people might have, which is maybe the Ravens should do more of these things. I've said for a long time, I've never agreed. We all so easily line up behind, well, the Ravens care about the um, compensatory pick formula. I've never agreed with that. It's what they do, but there is not a track record that suggests that this is the... It's it's like lining up behind, um, you know, the, the, the Orioles taking a chance on the duck, Justin Dukeshers of the world. There is no tr- track record that suggests this is the way that you go about best building a team. The Ravens happen to be the team that's had the most compensatory picks, and a few of them have turned out to be pretty solid players over the years. But not the reasons why they've won Super Bowls. I've never been the believer in the compensatory pick formula that the Ravens have or that a lot of Ravens fans have. I'd be more inclined as I said last week, I have no expectation they're going to be in the market for a Tyron Matthew. There's, it's just so un-Ravens-like. But I'm not saying Glenn Clark would value compensatory picks over Tyron Matthew. I would not. I'd rather have impact players than a compensatory pick. If we were talking about an extra first-round pick, I'd probably feel differently about this. But the idea that the difference in you winning a Super Bowl is going to be made by guys that were that are fourth round picks or later has never worked for me it's just what they do so if you want to point out the rams winning a super bowl and even say the buccaneers uh, to a lesser extent were a team that kind of went all in a year ago obviously they had more of a roster built and then just happened to to fall upon tom brady but teams that have gone all in have had success in recent seasons i'll listen to that And the lesson to me isn't to trade away all your draft picks. I don't think that's a smart decision. I think you need first-round picks. But if you want to take that and say, maybe getting impact players, maybe trading away picks for impact players is something you can consider sometimes. Maybe not selling out for compensatory picks is something you can consider sometimes. I'm certainly willing to listen to those things. I'm, I'm certainly, those are conversations that I'd be willing to have in the context of the Baltimore Ravens. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl. We'll also uh, talk a little Ravens offseason with our buddy Kadri Ismail. He joins us next, Glenn Clark Radio. After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. CIAA tournament.org. That's CIAA tournament.org. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 11.30. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Brought to you by the Vandal Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash press box online glory days grills winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese it also features the center cut sirloin with grilled shrimp the char grilled pork tenderloin grilled meatloaf sandwich smoky thigh wings with alabama barbecue sauce and a brussels and bacon appetizer all of these items pair well with devil's backbone eight point ipa or their anniversary ipa brewed by devil's backbone and try their seasonal cocktails blood orange bird Urban Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battle Round. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Yeah, you know, one of my takeaways that you'll find in my column today at pressboxonline.com is about how uh, you should have been betting this weekend because I did my damnedest to give you some help on a few of these prop bets this weekend. Did my damnedest over on um, Live Casino and Hotels Facebook and Twitter pages, you would have learned that I absolutely loved the prop bet for Aaron Donald, Trey Hendrickson, and Von Miller to all record sacks, at least one during the course of the Super Bowl. Five to one odds. It cashed in the third quarter. You would have been a big winner. If you had been in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel last night, right before the game, you would have seen a video message from your pals that told you to race over to one of their 51 self-service kiosks and get your bets in for Evan McPherson's over of 7.5 points to hit. And, of course, I kept trying to tell you about Cooper Cup as an anytime touchdown scorer. I don't care if it had been, you know, minus a, a billion odds. You should have put money on that because it was always going to hit. Tried telling you all week. Gave you as much help as we could possibly give you. And I hope you got down to Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook this weekend to get your bets in. If you missed out, shame on you. But this, there's always there's always a great time to be there. And um, this coming Sunday, the Daytona 500, the NBA All-Star Game, plenty more great events happening. And you should be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel to experience them. Get your bets in. Enjoy the atmosphere. It is the big event place to be down in Hanover, Maryland. Did we, I know we couldn't bet on it here, but did we see what color the Gatorade bath oh, was? I don't know, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I, I had checked out. I am so over being the guy that watches like post-game coverage anymore mm-hmm. in my life that I, once once they took a knee, I said, all right, 
cool. Let's see what else is going on. Let's let's watch some gemstones now. That's how my Sunday night went from there. All right, joining us now to talk a little bit more about that, and of course the Ravens. He is our friend. You see him on WJZ thirteen, the missile himself, former Super Bowl champion, Mr. Cadre Smile. What's going on, brother? How are you? I think the Gatorade was... Kadri, I apologize. we got to fix something really quickly. I apologize. Get that. Oh, yes. oh, you didn't even have me up. You I, didn't I, even I, hear I, me. I screwed. It's, you know what? I'll say it's on me. It's not, but I'll say it's on me for the sake of it. It right? is on you. No, 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 no. Don't give me that. It's not. I am the, ca- you, I am the captain of this ship. That's true. I am the captain okay. of this ship. It's on me. All right. right about did, that. You, did you not see Lamar go for two against That's the Pittsburgh true. Steelers he's, at Pittsburgh said, and then all of a sudden everybody wants to talk about Greg Roman but who was nope, the one actually out nope, there on the I'm, field to freaking play he was the who guy was out there you're right who was you're out right there? you're right it's on me it's on me it's my fault and you know what I'm gonna do better I, what, what did Tim Tebow say you're not gonna see anyone any quarterback in this country who's more driven and more focused than me you're not gonna see any uh, 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 internet radio host in the country, more driven and time focused. You doggone yeah, right. stood up and took accountability. Waited 15 years. No, it Goodness that. gracious, man! Now on? we do just got to get you to stop being so skinny fat and come in and do some training. But that's another thing for another day. Bro, I'm I'm there. You know I'm there. We'll all right. I swear to God, before football season begins, we're doing this. I'm. I will give you my entire availability. We're doing this. It's happening, right? Like, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. No, no. no. You ain't, you just, I've you ain't to. No, you stop. Ain't to get I've better. given. No, that's not true. You know as a fact that I've given you dates before that I could come up there. You know, you're giving fact. me dates, but you haven't done it. There's a lot of accountability being thrown around on this phone call right now. Mm, mm, mm. You really are taking on the role of accountability, buddy, aren't you? Yes, is, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Let's do this. All right. Let's talk a little football. Um, you know, what? It, like, the whole thing last night to me was a sort of a joyless exercise, right? Like, I didn't think it was a great football game. Um, I think the Rams are very much deserving champions. I think Cooper Cup is an all-world type of player, and Aaron Donald is a wrecker. And I don't really have a lot more takeaways other than maybe – Hey, what the hell are you doing if you're the Bengals on third and one and fourth and one at the end of the game? I thought that the game turned out to be an entertaining game. The stars on both sides of the ball showed up. They exploited the weaknesses on both sides of the ball the way they needed to. And when it came down to it, who blinked first? It was Tyler Boyd and his drop. Mm. It was the Bengals' the offensive, offensive line, line. <laughs> yeah. that literally, when you look at the way they were playing, if Aaron Donald pushes your quarterback out of bounds, go pick your quarterback up, and you say, sorry, Mr. Donald, that was a good job, and you just go back over onto the field and let a sleeping dog lie. As soon as they tried to be all hardcore, Prince and the other kid tried to be all hard with him, He's like, oh, y'all going to be like that now. Watch this. Oh, yep. boy. Yep. And then they just got thoroughly flashed, and it was over. That was the game. And then Cooper, like, literally, Cup was like, all right, I know Dell's not playing. You've been throwing it to the tight end, who's the backup to the backup. And then you got the other white dude, number 18. I feel like I'm Larry Bird. Like, why are you going to put another white guy out there to guard me? That's embarrassing. So he went full Larry Bird on homeboy 
on the sidelines like, why are you throwing to the other white receiver? I'm the best receiver in the gosh dog on game right now. You need to throw it to me. So he went full Larry Bird, and on that final <laughs> drive, he just showed up and just balled out. And Eli burnt apple toast. Oh, my God, like, man. Like, literally, he had no answer whatsoever, and that was the game. I mean, I, I got a lot of questions about literally lining up Eli Apple one-on-one. like, And, and not, not to take anything away. Not to dismiss from how terrible Eli Apple is and what a joke it is that he always runs his mouth all the time, but really, that was your strategy there? <laughs> you see Cooper Cup slip out wide, and you're like, we'll just send Apple out there and hope for the best. <laughs> like, what the hell is that thought process? Right. Like, I just think the game planning was really uh, on point, but then I think what happens is sometimes – when you're in a position um, towards end of games or towards like predictable moments in games, whether it be red zones, two point plays, you know, that's where I think the Belichick type mm. defensive teams that have won games in the past have come through. And, or they have, put their push push themselves into a position where like if somebody's going to beat us Mario Manningham is going to beat us right we're going to take away Eli Manning's strength right yeah and see what happens and sure enough you know Mario Manningham and Eli just connected and it was amazing or David Tyree connects and it was amazing but the point I'm making is that's where you see next level type play calling and it's like all right you know we got to do what we got to do but then on the flip side of it I think that's something that um, you as a, a defender, whether you are guarding, you know, Jimmy Smith guarding a, a, uh, Michael Crabtree and his defense is so, so, so tight on him. And he's just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just give you a, a free back shoulder type throw. You're going to have to beat me, beat me. And I think that's where, you know, uh, Eli Apple, the burnt toast in him, like the crust. The crust was just getting harder and burnter and darker. Like if you'd have put some butter on there, it might have melted a little bit. You still would have had a bad taste in your mouth because of the burntness, <laughs> but the butter would have at least melted. You ain't put no butter on there, and you get burnt for a touchdown. Now all of a sudden, you're sitting back and getting ragged and dr- and drug along the lines of Twitterverse with your 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 uh, your play. You ain't gonna get a ring. You're gonna get a cheap replica AFC championship, you know, <laughs> loser's ring. And Paul Brown is probably going to tax the hell out of you for the luxury tax on it, too. Oh, maximum. Oh, That's man. That's what he's going to do. Oh, man. He's Kadri Ismail. He's with us here on GCR. Q, Q, are the Bengals a team that, you know, took advantage of their circumstances this year? They were largely healthy. They made a They made a magical run, and – you know, it's going to be difficult for them to replicate it. Or do you look at that and say, no, they got Joe Burrow. They've got Jamar Chase. They got a defense that was probably wildly underappreciated this season. And as long as they address their offensive line, they really are going to be the team to beat in the AFC North for the next five years. All of what you said is is, is pretty good. And we were talking about the Ravens in that same vein when Lamar Jackson took the league by storm with his play in MVP, unanimous MVP. The point is, is that we just don't know. We are so ready to predict the future, so ready to anoint. 
excuse me, so ready to anoint the the next guy and the next thing. It is so crazy how it is year to year. The only known that had been consistent was Tom Brady in the you know decades that he played. Outside of that, you just don't know. And so he ain't here no more temporarily. As right, far as we know. right, correct. So we we just don't know what Joe is going to do. Joe can be, you know, another Joe type guy and be tremendous. We do know he's legit. We do know he has some talented receivers that are young. We do know, yeah, of course they can they can draft guys, but you don't know how they're going to turn out per se. Um, yes, they have a talented young defense. It'll be curious to see how. They manage the salary cap since they're so, so far under it all the time because they're so cheap. Um, it, it is interesting to to see how, yeah, they will respond to this newfound, um, we are the king of the mountain, and everybody now is going to be coming after us. You know, they did establish themselves as road warriors against the Titans, road warriors against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, those are all factual things, but, you know, every year they pose a different problem, a different challenge. Um, that's something that I'm curious to see, but hats off to them. You know, this year, AFC Northwise, they have bragging rights. Did you really hate the thing with The Rock beforehand? I was confused with your response to my tweet last night. I, I thought it was fun, man. I thought it was like, can we get the game on? Like, if they maybe have done it, sooner or something maybe you would just but, yeah, all right I, I can hear you on the, it's like a 30 minute how, well, how long it was it for you guys from the time you entered the field for super bowl 35 to kick off like how much actual time was there you know it, i don't even remember like i i not that i don't remember because i don't remember because i do remember i remember you know ray charles singing america the beautiful right. and I darn near you know broke down and cried because yeah. i was like holy it's ray mother, charles doing no. america the beautiful yeah correct 100 you know, percent like I'm, I'm like right there, like right on the field. I got front row seats. Um, then I realized I had to play a game, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long, you know, from the flyovers that took place to him, to star spangled banner, all of that, you know, it wasn't that long. Whereas this was like, okay, the teams went out, but then they went back in to then, um, come back out to, you know, the, the pomp and circumstances of them coming out to then we're like, all right, you know, y'all just straight up aced America the Beautiful. You came back and just aced the national anthem. Like that was like maybe Whitney's, Whitney ain't going to be dethroned. Let's just no, never, never. She'll never be dethroned. That was, that was an all time, yes. all timer. She's the GOAT. Now this was right under, just right underneath. It was a there. good one. I agree with that. It was a good one. It was, it was awesome. I mean, she ain't, she just kept it simple and she ain't trying to trick it out. Okay, and then she just let her vocals take over. She was a badass. Let's give him credit. See, you gave the rock credit, and then all of a sudden you're going, 
It was what, what, fun. What, what, the rock bro, thing bro, was what fun. Doing? What you doing? It was look. It was it silly? Did it? It wasn't fun. It no, wasn't fun. No, it was what are we doing fun. Here? What are we doing? He it should was have been on a f- commercial and had his commercial be fun. It was. Fun. That's that. Well, you this ate. is like let's get ready to play. They already did the coin toss. <laughs> I do. I get the bit that it, it, it's it's a lot to introduce teams and still not kick the game off for another thirty minutes. I agree with that. But I would still. My I want, hamstrings tightened up sitting there eating my popcorn. What's up? <laughs> um, and by the way, I thought it was the second greatest halftime show of all time, too. But let's not pretend like there will you ever be any. The greatest? Any. No, the second, second greatest. greatest. The second okay. greatest. Because Who number was it? one. Prince or Michael of Jackson? Of course, was Prince the first. is number one. Prince okay. is number one by okay. far. And it's okay. the type of thing you'll never. Now, de- we can't debate this. It now was the, I feel better. Now, now you have come back into my. You was about man. to be in my doghouse. Now I feel better. But it was a hell of a halftime show. It was wonderful. I mean, there was it everything was. about it was tremendous. But let's not be yes. silly. It's like the Whitney thing. We we know what number one is. Let's stop. Let's not embarrass ourselves. Let's understand that, and let's not yes. say stupid things for the sake of saying it. The, no, no, no. Here's the cool thing about it. When Purple Rain was coming in. On it started it's raining. raining. It was the greatest like, scene in the history of ever, man. Can, <laughs> like, can I can I just tell you right now for the listener out there, like the goosebumps down the back of my neck when it was like, what, what? Are you kidding me, bro? Like, he aced it. Oh, he it was it. it was it was a ten and a half. This was really good though. Everything about this was wonderful. It was a tremendous show. Yes. Uh, le- did you know Mary J? She was in the. I remembered. Yeah. I, I, oh, oh, oh. Did you get into the party? Or I did. I did not. But I was still at the. Yeah, okay. Was I still on the outside? <laughs> I was still at the stadium at that point. I looked up. We actually worked that night. I looked at Luke Jones at like three in the oh, morning. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I worked that night too. Oh, I, I, I know. Well, you had to call the game. It's a bit of a different right. thing. That's we right. we looked at each other at three in the morning. Like, holy crap! What are we doing? Still being here at this point? Like, what Man, in the world is going? I got on that dog on team bus with the whole celebration and all that and as I got on that team bus bruh I was like oh yeah we getting the police escort back we got the police escort back to the hotel I had gone through all the 20 zillion layers of security with the team like I was did, a badass did you knowing get that to I meet? was like uh-huh, I don't have the right credential <laughs> but it don't matter because all the people know me, yeah, let me I just kind of yeah. kept on going through went back up to my room Quick, quick change, and bam, bam. Did you get to meet Beyonce? Man, they stiff-armed the brother. No! Oh! Yes, the security, the security, like, like he had, like, a small, small window to meet her. And Jay-Z, I mean, you know, all right, Jay-Z, cool, but you're a bruh. Right, right, yeah, come on. Come on, let's be real here, you know. I'll give you some some dap, but Beyonce, I'm just going to pass out. and be Like, oh, my God! So... I missed that window, and then the big, you know, burly security dudes just, I was like, all right, fine, fine. I'll just stare from a 10-foot-away distance and say I was in the same room. But then Mary J got up on stage, and Ray was doing his oh, his so jam. Cool. He did so this choral cool. with her, which was just oh. perfect. I mean, it was awesome. I know dude was running on some Tordal adrenaline, um, because right. I'd have been like, I cannot dance right now, girl. But he did. He did. It Bro, was his awesome. body was falling apart. My favorite story from that uh, that I heard from that that post game party. Oh, you heard it because yeah, you went I know. There. All right, thank you, gotcha. thank you for reminding. By the way, part of the reason I never wandered over. 
Uh, Luke and I spent an hour scouring the stadium for things that we might be able to sell on eBay later. <laughs> this is not a joke. We literally at one point were like, we need to go back down and see if anything was left behind. And then Vontae Leach told me a week later, he literally ripped every sign down from the locker room to make sure that he had them forever. <laughs> but Kerry uh, Williams told me two days later, he was like, bro, my, my daughter got to meet Beyonce. And it was just like this eternal moment because Beyonce was being unbelievably sweet to his daughter. They spent like a lot of time together. And so they were going to leave the party and he was like, do you want to try to go over and say goodbye to Beyonce? And his daughter was so young that she had no recollection. She's like, no, I'll see her tomorrow. <laughs> she was convinced that they were friends now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which was just so great, man. It was so that great. The um, of it all. Give me one. Give me one priority. One biggest priority for you for the Ravens this off season right now. What, what offensive line? Yep. Yep. Gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. I think offensive line gives Lamar a chance to not stress over the health situation of his running backs because you know ACL tears at any other position. You know you have your timeline to get back an ACL tear at the running back position, that quadricep, you know, that, that takes some direct hits. That takes a lot of trust as far as the cut, the jump cut in the hole and the acceleration. Um, obviously, they're going to train them in a traditional means, and that traditional means is going to hurt them, but I'm not here to talk about that. The point I'm making is is that <laughs> if he has an offensive line, it gives him an opportunity to like, all right, cool, you know what, I can – whether it be pushing the ball down the field, whether it be him going on design quarterback runs, he'll have time to do what needs to be done. That is priority number one. I, I mean, I'm with you. Obviously, the Ronnie Stanley thing is a huge part of the conversation, right? Like, it's it's huge, it's huge. such a massive, you know, it, it is so it is so difficult to overcome losing something that is is so much of your salary cap and not acting, not playing at all. But if he can be Ronnie Stanley again. I mean, it changes this franchise. It's it's such a massive question mark going into this season where Ronnie Stanley is. And, well, you know. I think, you know, if you look at what they did um, when they were, were just grooving historically with their running uh, game and they had Orlando Brown Jr. and Ronnie Stanley healthy, like you just you just impose your will on people. And, and I think, you know, our fan base got so – uh, caught up in this idea of, you know, fire Greg Roman, you know, BS yep. that they forget, you know, it's the players that make plays. And if you don't have the players that make plays, then you wind up being the Cincinnati Bengals looking on the outside as the confetti falls down yep. as players like Aaron Donald uh, go out there and, and dominate. And kick so your ass. Yep. No question. No question. All right. Uh, remind everybody about missile training, my friend. Yeah. Come on over to Twitter. DM me, reach out to me, understand that missile training is about an experience of helping your body be able to move fluidly, elastically, and without breaking down. doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the sport. If you're in a fitness mindset, DM me on Twitter. I am Kadri Smile, and we'll get you started. Love you, brother. Always appreciate you. Thank you for doing this as always, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you. Kadri Smile checking in with us here on GCR. So much in there, man. He was uh, he was feeling it. The, the Eli Apple stuff is so effing funny. Like it's just I, I don't care who you are. That's just funny, man. 
and and you know he brings all of it upon himself. So yeah, I don't feel remotely bad about it. Not <laughs> even a little bit. All he had to bit. do was like, just keep his mouth shut. Like, dude, there's a lot of guys that are mid cornerbacks in the NFL. Most of them aren't getting made fun of relentlessly all the time because they just shut up about it. They don't try to portray themselves as being anything other than a mid cornerback in the NFL. Eli Apple's a mid cornerback. It's not like he's incapable of playing the position, but he's right. a mid cornerback. He's on his best day, Anthony Averett. You know what I mean? Like, imagine Anthony Averett running his mouth about his, you know, what anything. I can't imagine. He's not that kind of guy. Dude, he doesn't seem like. No, it. stop. It's so bloody funny, man. Just so effing funny. Um, as far as the Bengals are concerned, I, and I disagreed with how you portrayed it in the, in the tweet. It's the question isn't about whether the Bengals are for real. And you kept kind of do this bit where like the the last couple of weeks of the Bengals, like the Bengals are every ounce for real and deserve to be there, right? There's nothing about them that's remotely fraudulent in any way. And I've never understood where that was coming from when you brought that up these last couple of weeks. I don't get that. It's uh, it's it's just my phrasing. I'm not trying to take take anything away from it. It's, it's literally just the phrasing that pops into my head because I, it, ultimately I feel like that's the question that you're asking: is do they have staying power? That, that's a different thing. The the question of whether a team can continue to be something is a different question than whether they were for real the champions of the AFC and for real the best team in the AFC this season. But you you and I look at it very differently. Uh, and maybe I am trying to take something away from them. I don't think they're the AFC champions. It's insane. If, if it's insane. If the teams in their division don't have the injuries that they have. Well, there's nobody else besides the Ravens that was going to compete with the Bengals in the division. Another, the other two teams stunk. They were terrible. And I and I also think that if if Matthew Stafford doesn't have the scare with his leg, if they don't lose OBJ uh, in the in the first half, I don't think that game's particularly close. It took it took a, a non-call on an OPI for them to keep that game. But close. they can also say the same thing that they got screwed by the horrendous call on Wilson at the end of the game, or else they might have won the game because it would have been third and goal at that point. Mm. Like we can do this eternally. Trying to pretend like the Bengals were anything other than utterly legit is a really weird bit. They're very good. It, I'm, I'm not. I'm but, not taking that two, away from There's two. There's two different conversations. <clears throat> there's absolutely a projectable conversation we can have. There's no conversation about what they did this season that's anything other than they kicked the asses of the best teams in the AFC. They went and beat the Chiefs on the road twice and obliterated the Ravens. It wasn't a, they got fortunate. Like, you want to point out the, the Rams, you can poke a hole in. They got fortunate to beat a crap Ravens team at that point. Mm -hmm. The Bengals didn't do that. They 1,000% did everything they had to do. They Every ounce of them was legitimate this season. But then they also go, on, they, they go and they lose to teams like the, ba the Bears, you, you, the Browns, you, and the Jets. Every and Super Bowl team has something that they did that season. You're like, I don't get that. I don't understand that at all. The Ravens won the Super Bowl after getting utterly embarrassed at home just yeah. weeks before that. No, you're, there you're, are plenty of those things. What did you actually do? The Bengals check all of the boxes. No, you're you're for absolutely this season. right. I but I think we can both agree that there is a bit of luck that goes into any team that wins a Super Bowl championship. Just, and, and, and perhaps I'm just magnifying you're their, their, their overwhelmingly luck. magnifying it. Like just, you're 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 it's it's absurd to try to question the Bengals this season. That's an absurdity. They did everything they needed to do. Yeah, and they went to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm right. I'm not. I guess I'm not trying to take that away from them. I just, I think that their offensive line and I not isn't isn't what it needs to be for them well, to. Act, and, and I don't believe in their their secondary. I don't believe. I don't know, man. Like 
you're not going to get me to just fully buy in on the Bengals. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that. Again, there's two separate questions. The projectability of the Bengals is a different conversation. What they might do moving forward is a completely different conversation mm-hmm. than what they did. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you, really. You can't take just, that away. You can't try to pretend like something else happened that didn't happen. Well, really, this is just a debate over phrasing. Not really, because it's been what I've been trying to say all along. To try to pretend like they're not—they're not utterly legitimate because they lost a game to a bad team—is—it smacks in the face of everything that we know about everyone that's ever been to the Super Bowl. That teams don't make the Super Bowl without losing games. It doesn't happen, with two exceptions. One of whom, of course, lost the Super Bowl. Um, like that's the way that it works. The question moving forward, the debate about can they sustain this. That's a completely different conversation, and that's what I was interested in looking, and I'm, I'm more interested in trying to figure that out. To me, it's very simple. When you got Joe Burrow and you got Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. yeah, you can. Yeah, no, Does I, it mean that you will? Nobody can see the future, I, but that's the way it works. I'm not taking that away from him. I think that they had that week 16. Before week 16, you would, could not have convinced me that the Bengals would even win would even win a playoff game. Then they go in and they they absolutely thrash the Ravens. They go in and they win the game next the next week against the Kansas City Chiefs, a game that nobody picked them to win, uh, and they clinched the division. And they just got exceedingly hot at the right time. They, they were deserving of being in the Super Bowl. I just don't think that they're going to do it again. It's a different conversation, and I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't see the future. And They clearly have to address the offensive line thing. Like, There's no debate about that. Number one, very much at the top of the list, is they must address their offensive line. Of course, if you're a Ravens fan, you hope that they don't. You hope that they attempt to and fail. That would be the best possible scenario. Is that the offensive line continues to be an issue. Of course, the offensive line was such an issue that they made the Super Bowl and and came maybe a a missed call away from winning the Super Bowl this year, despite and it. The offensive line played well in the played well enough in the, the first, first half. half. Yeah, in, in, and then it was the an utter complete disaster. And look, after the, that. they have plenty of cap space. They have seventy million cap yes, space this offseason to go and fortify that offensive line and fix any weaknesses they may have. And they they could be back. I just I got to see it to believe it. I I, I I guess that's that'd be the same for every other team in the NFL. Yeah. Who would you say you don't have to see it to believe it with? The Chiefs. I, I think that you're saying that based on the presence of I've Pat- already seen it, I guess. I, they didn't win it this year. Yeah, but no team has ever won it back, has ever wanted. Uh, it wouldn't have been back-to-back, but they were... I, I mean, like, to believe that they're going to be in the mix 100%, yeah. I'm going to believe the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be in the mix next year. But I'm also going to believe that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be in the mix next year because they've got Joe Burrow and they've got Jamar Chase. The reason why we believe the Chiefs are going to be in the mix is because they've got a quarterback and they've got weapons. So do the Bengals. As long as they've got that, they're going to be in the mix. That's the reality. Now, they got to figure out the offensive line. they got to figure out the offensive line, and they got to keep Joe Burrow healthy, and that's the biggest part of figuring out the offensive line. All right, we'll get back to uh, football conversation here in a little bit. Before we do that, I'm really excited because February 26th to 22nd, or 20, let me do it the other way. Let me flip that math, flip it and reverse it like Missy Elliott once said. February 22nd to 26th, there's an incredible incredible event. I, what is going on with me this morning? It's like I've forgotten how to talk. There's an incredible event coming to Baltimore and Royal Farms Arena. And really, when I say Royal Farms Arena, it's important that we say Baltimore because the event is going to take over the city. It's that type of event. It's the CIAA tournament, and it is a cultural touchstone. It is 
that important of an event. We're so proud to have it here in Baltimore. And we're proud this morning to spend a couple of minutes chatting with the commissioner of the CIAA. She is Jackie McWilliams, and she joins us now here on GCR. Jackie, it is Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's so great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, Glenn and Paul. It is my pleasure to join you in the Charm City on this call today. So thank you so much. It's so great to chat with you, and we are so excited about this event. Um, Jackie, I, I'm, I'm going to start. Let me let me ask the dumb guy questions, right? If people <laughs> say, okay, it's a basketball tournament, so what, right? Like, if people don't understand what the CIAA tournament is and why it is so much more than just a basketball tournament or, you know, just a, your average run-of-the-mill sporting event, how could you best explain it to the casual fan? Wow, you know, I... I... You know, like we see sports, we watched the Super Bowl the other day, last night, and, you know, sport brings culture and community together in its best way. I mean, if there's no other way um, to get away from division, sport does that, and that's what the CIAA does. It brings community together. It's a family reunion. It is extremely cultural because of our HBCUs and the history that it brings, but basketball is the center of that, and we are fortunate that we've been able to expand this event for years. Um, and allow community activations and free events and music and dance and food be a complement to CIAA basketball. And it's 22 games. I mean, 20, yeah, 22 games. Right. We get 12 women, 12 men that will be there for an entire week um, to showcase their talent. Uh, it's it's really overwhelming, and I've already seen some of the other events that you guys have, have made possible, bringing in legends to participate in the community. We just had Earl the Pearl on a couple weeks ago talking about what he's going to be doing. Uh, I have to figure out a way to get over to see DJ Cool because I am an obsessed DJ Cool fan. Like, it, it, it really is just sort of make – the word vibe comes to mind when we talk about this, Commissioner. Like, it's, it's just an unbelievable vibe that comes to a city with the CIAA tournament. I love that um, because last year we did the virtual vibe because we didn't have our tournament right. in person. And really what you're saying is exactly that. I mean, I think we try to look at the demographics of our fans, our students. I mean, very seasoned. Our demographic is probably majority 55 and older. So when you see this lineup, it's my lineup. So <laughs> it is, it, it's fun. But at the same time, we try to make sure we have the step shows and the skate parties and things for high school high school and middle schoolers um, so that they can get involved as well. And it truly is a vibe. I mean, it, it allows not just, if you've got, gone to Essence Festival, it's, it's music and it's all those things that we're talking about. Now we're here at a basketball tournament. It's basketball yep. and all those things that bring people together. I feel like it's safe to say that if the Super Bowl halftime show was for you last night, that you oh also fit in this demographic <laughs> that we're talking about, right? I mean, like, I feel like there's some there, there's a correlation between these things. <laughs> you know what was fun, though? My daughter was watching it, and she was, you know, I was up. I was pumped up. I'm a Mary J and Snoop and oh, Bray fan, and, and they're all in my era. But the funny thing is my daughter could sing the songs, too. That's and cool. And I think she... She saw like this is this is what's up, and um, it's fun because I think our younger generation. It's like the tournament. You don't ever want to leave the history, lose the history of our the shoulders we've been standing on that has given us this great vibe of a tournament and music, and that's what we saw last night. It was it, it was extraordinary. CIAA Commissioner Jackie McWilliams is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. The tournament comes to Baltimore. You can get your tickets right now by going to CIAA Tournament dot org, and that's CIAA. 
CIAAAtournament.org in order to get your tickets for the CIAA tournament. Um, Jackie, the Baltimore side of this, right? Like, how how did this happen? Give give me the entire backstory because, you know, th- this is not, um, you know, Bowie State's not far, obviously, from Baltimore. But h- why was this such a fit for you guys that Baltimore became the new home for the tournament? You know, ba- Bowie State was founded in Baltimore, and Baltimore needed a host institution, so Bowie obviously was the best fit. You know, Baltimore really came in and gave us and sold everything that they could do to help this tournament grow, um, the demographic in the area, um, the impact that we could make in community, to be in a facility that, even though it's much older, and you know they're renovating it, so we'll be in a new building next year. That's right. Uh, but definitely the historical part. There's so much connection. And the resources. I mean, starting in December, they started to put signage in the area. People could feel you know, the marketing, they were doing all of that. In the past, we've had to do a lot of that ourselves with limited resources to get a further reach. And they've helped us um, expand our reach and the Northeast Corridor. And then we obviously are doing the Southern across the nation. We are making, you know, this tournament visible. In Baltimore, they're just great leadership. It really complements who we are as a conference. I mean, it seems like it's a wonderful marriage and, and a perfect fit. And to your point, obviously, there's a lot of excitement about what's coming for Royal Farms Arena. And so uh, this is going to be a tentpole moving forward uh, for the new building or what, what the, the renovated building, I guess, is the way yes, that we say that moving yes. forward. Beautiful. From a basketball standpoint, Jackie, fans that don't know about this this tournament, again, we hear all the cultural things. We understand what it does for the community. But the quality of basketball that exists within this tournament. How do you describe that again to the casual fan? Oh my gosh. Um, I love this tournament for so many reasons. I mean, you can come in and be number 12 and win the championship. It is an extremely tense tournament to play in, in this conference. Um, and probably because of the historical perspective, I mean, the Ben Wallace's, you said Earl, the Pearl, yep. Bobby Dandridge will be here. Those are, some of our old time, but our current players and women are just talented and they love the game. And when they come to the tournament, something happens <laughs> different. They just turn it up where you have to watch the game. I've left the game one evening and then ended up turning on my phone and it was tied. The team was 10, 10 points down and came back and won. Like the intensity of the game. So we encourage people to come watch the game because really the game is the center of what we do. Without the tournament, all these other things that we're talking about, they just don't exist the same. Uh, and then I know you guys also have a wonderful partnership with ESPN now for the tournament. We want people to come to the games. Let's make that very clear, right? Oh, yeah. Like we want yeah. you to be there for the games, but that doesn't hurt for the you know the visibility of the CIAA to have such a great partner. Yeah, you know we we had a partnership with them years ago. We were the first Division Two and HBCU to have, but it was the men's games. And it was a few of the men's games. What I love about this, we're in 50 years of Title IX, even though we're short four years of it in our women's sports in many of our conferences. um, We get a chance to really deliver both men and women's product in a way that we've never done before the entire week. To me, that's incredible. Plus, we have female talent and male talent. So we have female talent for amazing women. That has been my dream for years. Can we get some women talent? They are out there, and we found them, and they found us and connected. And Stan Luter and Scott, who will be on our ESPN platform for the men, I think we, we're, we're, we're getting where we need to be in this time for both our men and women. And it's long, 
it's been a long stretch, but I think leadership and just my, I, I was a ball player too. So I played in the conference, yep. I played in the championship, won a national championship. So I know exactly what to do and how it feels to make these student athletes feel the same. Um, I, let's talk about, I feel like there's an, you know, let's say the quiet part, right? These, <laughs> these schools matter. And I, and I think that sometimes I'll, I'll, let's say this openly, Jackie, I think the white portion of our audience and, you know, raise my hand, right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. always understand. I think you hear like, Oh, it's division two basketball. Right. And I don't know yeah. that, the, the, the white portion of our audience truly understands the way that these programs matter as HBCUs and within this community. And again, I'm, I'm asking you to, to yeah. you know, it, it, help us with our naivete or whatever you want to call it. But can you give us better context to how important this conference and these programs are within black culture, within athletics as a whole? Yeah, you know, it's, um, and I often say this, and if you haven't seen the documentary Black Black Magic, I watch it every year, and that's probably the best, if all of you could watch that, to get a sense of why HBCUs and our institutions are so important, particularly in an era where they couldn't go anywhere but to an HBCU to play and to give show their talent. You know, I, I say this and not negatively, but once segregation happened, it opened up the door, or integration happened, it opened up the doors for black students to go everywhere and anywhere. But there's still great relevancy to HBCUs. I think people felt like, you know, why go there when you can come here? Well, you should. It's small institutions. There's still cultural relevance. We still are educating students, black students at the highest rate. We have white students, international students. Yep. It's a very diverse community that most people wouldn't understand. And for me, it's really just providing this great opportunity. No matter if you're Division One, Two, or Three, the greatest benefit of getting a college education and playing your craft while you're in college at any level is truly a privilege and a blessing. And that's what we see CIAA and our HBCs. There's value in our community from jobs, economics, you name it, graduation, you know, giving these kids a chance uh, to thrive just like anybody else, whether they're black or white. All right, so I got to talk about you before I let you go because you fascinate <laughs> me, Jackie McWilliams. Is there a, what in the world have you not done that you'd still? You mentioned, you know, your 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 career as an athlete and playing multiple sports. Of course, what you accomplished as a coach. Like what now is what what could still possibly be on your bucket list of accomplishments in your career? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. I just feel so blessed that I've been able to do almost everything that I've wanted to do in my profession. I mean, it's a unique experience to be the commissioner, but particularly for this conference where so many rely on your leadership um, to give hope, um, to show resiliency and pride. Um, and I speak of it with so much joy in Black History Month and every day that I get to work for a conference and I'm not reaching or searching for anything. This was my dream job. You know, I hope when I leave from here, I've left greater footprints that I came in. Um, my daughter will be graduating in a couple of years. That's cool. I love to teach and be an educator and speak and do all those things. But I don't think I'm interested in going anywhere else right now. I love this place. It's, it's been great. And uh, I appreciate your comments. And it's quite humbling Did to be here. It's a very hard job, but a, a uh, satisfying job. Do you believe that we are, are are on the cusp? Do you believe in the next five to ten years that we will see a female head coach at the at the major college hoops level? 
I, I do. I, you know, after watching last, oh my good, Billie Jean King last night. Yeah. Getting on there, the NFL doing that Title IX portion. I don't know if a lot of people know what that meant, but women who understand and value it in sport, um, it was an eye moment, eye dripping moment for me. And to show those young girls playing football and, you know, working with those who have disabilities and just giving opportunity. I pray that we do. You know, it's it's 50 years and we're still challenged with women in positions, but you do see it more. And I like to see more women of color in positions as well. So five years, I hope so. I'd love to see a woman head coach in any sport that a male. Males are coming on the women's side. Of so course. why can't we do it on their I'm, side? I'm t- Tiny Adams, who's a Morgan State legend. I work with Loyola and I do a lot of their play-by-play. And, and what she's done for their men's basketball program is yeah. unreal. Like it's unreal yeah. the way those players yeah. talk about her, man. I am I, I, I would put her name at the forefront of uh, people that Let's I think are it. very much <laughs> capable of this Let's role. Let's do it. <laughs> Jackie McWilliams, we're so excited about uh, this event. I can't wait to be there. I mean, I it, I, I hope that, that people in this community understand. They, they need to feel this. You need to be a part of this and understand just how significant this is for the city of Baltimore. Again, yeah. we'll have people go to CIAATournament.org in order to get tickets. And then what about social, website? What all can we plug for you and for the CIAA? Yeah, I just, you know, I love just everything that you have said, just even the opening, how important this is to the community. You know, Baltimore wants to extend the agreement. They lost the year, uh, first year of COVID, and we'll talk about it in March. But what helps us successful is when the community feels like they want us a part of their community. And it doesn't matter what color you are. Yes, we're historically HBCU, but I can tell you we bring the vibe for everybody. So we want to be in your community because you want us to be in your community. And so get your tickets and come to some of the free events at the Fan Fest and keep pumping that up for us, Glenn. That's, we will. I, I thank you so much for all the things and the messaging that you're putting around our tournament. At CIAA for Life on Twitter. That's F-O-R. At C-I-A-A-F-O-R Life on Twitter is how you follow them. Uh, Commissioner Jackie McWilliams, uh, a pleasure to spend some some time with you. Look forward to seeing you here in Baltimore in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Oh, thank you. You guys be well, and I'll see you. I'll see you in seven days. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Jackie bless. McWilliams, the commissioner of the CIAA, taking the time for us here this morning on GCR. And again, February twenty sixth. I did it again. What's going on there? I forget how dates work. You, you say it that way, not the opposite way. Twenty second to twenty sixth. So again, just over a week, just over a week away from the start of the CIAA tournament here in Baltimore. I'm telling you, do not screw this up. This is going to be a major event that you will want to have a feel and a touch for while it is here in town. Uh, A bunch of responses that have come into various things that we've been talking about throughout the course of the morning from from John and Little Rock. I, you know, I was going to get to the halftime show among my, the halftime show was great. Just stop showing your ass and trying to, we do this all the time. We're like, this might be the greatest halftime show ever. No, that, that has been decided upon. That's over. There will never be something that will be like Prince doing halftime in Miami. They will never. It's the the most significant pop culture, modern pop culture moment. Stop, you're embarrassing yourselves. What's the second greatest halftime show of all time? I don't know. I got into this with Kyle Andrews and and Kadri brought up um, Michael Jackson. I think we all, all forget the Michael Jackson halftime show was uninspiring. His presence was remarkable. The biggest star on the planet, 
at a time where halftime shows were not a modern concept. They were marching bands before that point. So credit him with modernizing the concept of the, the halftime show at the Super Bowl. But like half of the show was he doing We Are the World and Heal the World. Like He did not dive into the bag and do something inspired. He did Billie Jean, and that was neat. It was neat to see Michael Jackson do Billie Jean, and I happen to love Black or White. Like It's one of my favorite songs ever, but in the Michael Jackson catalog, I mean, come on. I think we've forgotten that because his presence was so overwhelming that the show itself was just kind of... Mm. Um, it was a great halftime show. It was a great halftime show. It was, with the exception of 50 Cent, like which was just so wildly unnecessary. I, I don't... I'll never understand it. Like I, I don't get it. I mean, it's, why? It, What's it's, to get? It's, it's their boy. They wanted to. They but, wanted to make him part but, of it. But it, why? I mean, in what world is he Snoop and Dre's boy? Like he's he's Eminem's guy. I get that. But like, yeah, if you're friends with Eminem, you're friends with them. I, I, I feel I, like I don't think that's necessarily it, it, true. Like the idea was they were doing this. Like that. What made it all make sense to begin with was like it was this West Coast thing. You're doing the Super Bowl in L.A. And so we associate Snoop Dogg and, and Dr. Dre and Death Row Records with L.A., and so let's go that route. And, you know, Dre and Eminem are so closely associated with each other that, like, sure, of course, bring in Eminem, and Eminem is just this larger-than-life figure within music, so why not bring him in? I didn't really understand the connection to Mary J. Blige, but Mary J. Blige is an eternal, like, iconic performer. I so thought she was the best part of that halftime. She was so I mean, good. she was really good because she's Mary J. Blige, and she's always really good, and that's why, like, even though it didn't necessarily make sense you were like yeah give me mary j blige because give me mary j blige at every halftime show she's a genius um and kendrick lamar i also sort of understood like you wanted to throw somebody in that was a little bit more modern Mm -hmm. that was a little bit more you know the way that they kind of force-fed travis scott into the halftime show a couple years ago kendrick lamar is also thought of as a an artist on a level a bit higher than a a travis scott he is this really genius kind of artist so it all it all worked like when they announced it you're like this is a str- this is it's not a perfectly thrown together group of five people but it's a perfectly thrown together group of five performers right like i completely get it the there were so many elements that make no sense that involve 50 cent the first being he's not an iconic performer he's like nelly like <laughs> he's got a couple of songs that that people still bop their head to but he ain't these guys. He ain't close. He's fine. And it takes, we lost something from this group of guys and gal because we had to give time to 50 Cent. We lost another Eminem song or another Mary J. Blige song because we were like, we, we didn't really get anything of Forgot About Dre. We got next to nothing from Forgot About Dre, which is... Maybe one of the songs that people were most looking forward to during the, the course of the, the halftime show. It was what you were afraid it was going to be. It was clips of right. all their hits. Uh, not all their hits, but a, a good bit of their hits rather than Wait, we, playing we, five we, or six different We need songs. to do a little bit of a lot instead of just just picking out the uh, eternal iconic classics and, and, and nailing those, right? Mm-hmm. Like Again, it was a great halftime show. It was wonderful. The presence of 50 Cent. Just made no sense. None. Zero. If he wants to be there, you want to bring him out, but like the need to throw in into club when you're talking about some of the most iconic songs ever, stop. And again, I get it with Kendrick Lamar. And by the way, I think All Right is, is something we're going to think about in 10 years as being an iconic song. Like that's how good All Right is. 
Um, Into Club is a song we remember and we have nostalgic feelings for, but the quality of song, it's mid. Like, it's... it. He ain't as significant to me as even, say, ludicrous. Like, he's a... He's fine. Everything about 50 Cent is fine, and it distracted to me from what was otherwise a, a wonderful, wonderful halftime they, they show. They stole your moment on Superman. Yeah, I know. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. I was, I was working for so much, such a long time. And the fact that he was hanging upside down, like the video, I'm like, I said to Laura, I was, like, I was like, how long do you think he was hanging upside right? down before? Right, in order to get that? I mean, it just it doesn't, doesn't change anything for me. But yes, the halftime show was... As John said, I, it was fun and refreshing. It's a shame it took so long to have a true all-hip-hop show at the Super Bowl halftime. I only wished it was longer. It was an awesome tribute to Tupac in California, for sure. Agreed on all accounts. Everything about it was was tremendous, with the exception of the unnecessary presence of 50 Cent. That nobody like When when Katy Perry brought out Missy Elliott, we hadn't seen Missy Elliott in a long time. We were like, holy crap, we're getting Missy Elliott. We all remember Missy Elliott as an icon. Mm-hmm. This is not that. <laughs> like This is, oh, 50 Cent is there cool like <laughs> i think everybody had the cool same reaction. like i mean if you had brought out busta rhymes i would have been really excited like with 50 cent i'm like yeah okay like i don't think he's a joke i just don't think he added anything in any way to the super bowl halftime show it felt more just like here's here's another rapper that you might remember like come on man um uh john 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 proctor you aren't the target audience for 50 Cent. Jenna was excited to hear it because of co- her college days. I am actually, I think, still part of it. I guess I'm a little bit older than that, but not significantly. Like, I, I have memories of In the Club. And do you have any times for, for like a decade, we spent every one of our friends' birthdays singing In the Club to them? Like, I'm part of that too. I'm a little bit older than it, but not much. It's just that we all can recognize it doesn't hold water in comparison to these other performers i i'm it's probably a little unfair that i went with jeff rebelay although jeff rebelay hit that home run off of randy johnson the comparison i made was that like you have a murderer's row of hitters and then you're throwing in but we got to figure out a way to get more at bats for jeff rebelay so call it something else say it's travis lee like we we feel this desperate need to get more at bats imagine your lineup is uh, sammy sosa and barry bonds and tony gwynn and who are other uh, player hitters from that era? Mark McGuire. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody that was more all-around uh, great baseball. Ken Griffey Jr., yeah. Frank Thomas, and you're like, yeah, but gee, gosh, golly, we got to figure out a way to get B.J. Surhoff some more at bats. B.J. Surhoff, damn. Good Don't get 99. me wrong. B.J. Surhoff was a fine player. But you got the lineup that you got. Yeah. You don't need to squeeze in B.J. Surhoff anywhere. Let him. When somebody gets hurt, you can get B.J. Surhoff some at bats. You don't need to force it. Love you, BJ. Great guy. God bless. Um, <laughs> a, a Proctor also pointed out earlier um, that NBC's coverage started at noon and how anyway. I, I'm out. I'm out. One of the points that I make in my column today we need a better post Super Bowl viewing option. We need another sporting event. Uh, a lot of us are still up and, you know, we, we've been betting and we're all geeked up. I, I need. The mono Bob ain't doing it for me, and and that's only an event that happens once every four years. That was so funny that like the NBC went all in, traded Super Bowl so they could have it line up with the Olympics, and they're like, and now the mono Bob, <laughs> the f. 
Did you like, get to watch? There were two Americans that won gold and silver, and you're like, you know, bully for them. But like the mono bob. Did that's you watch U.S. curling yesterday? Uh, they, I, they they beat China. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I, I was into it. I made Laura I, watch. I, I like made curling. The wife Don't watch get me wrong. It. I'm a big fan of curling. The U.S. women's hockey team won this morning, so they will again play for gold against uh, Canada. Didn't go so well uh, when they played uh, three days ago or whatever it was, but hopefully that will be different this time. Um, just very strange how they went all in for for the Olympics coming on after the Super Bowl, and they, what they gave you was the mono bob and ice dancing. Like that's what you had afterwards. You're like, oh. Sure, like maybe they couldn't have lined it up for like the the women's hockey game that happened this morning to have been what they were going to after the Olympics ended. I think that might have been a bit more captivating for the Super Bowl audience to have had it work out that way. We just need a sporting event afterwards. We need something. We need I like Gonzaga to eternally play an eleven o'clock game on Super Bowl Sunday night. Like something that we can all watch afterwards because it, it's just nobody's doing anything. Can everybody? Just gives up. All the other networks just give up on Super Bowl mm-hmm. night. They're like, we know you're not watching, so what the hell does it matter what we're airing anyway? We right. could use something. Other than HBO. HBO is the only network that's like, don't care, going to run Gemstones and Euphoria anyway. Like, they're the only network that bothers to try. And from... Oh, boy. From Paul Novilando, I feel like Dan Orlovsky is going to campaign on ESPN for Stafford to be in the Hall of Fame until it happens. He was his caddy for eight years in Detroit and still doing it now. I just don't watch enough of ESPN to, like, to know a whole lot about what their people are doing. I I, I, I don't care. I'm sorry. I, 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 I respect Dan Orlovsky as being a guy who knows football, and he likes Matt Stafford, so he thinks Matt Stafford should be in the Hall of Fame. Bully. I, I don't. Maybe Matt Stafford, at some point, I'm going to look. He's, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's going to retire. If he does, to me, he's not a Hall of Famer. But at some point, if he does this for another two to three years, I might look and say, you know what? Damn it. Matt Stafford's definitely the Hall of Famer. And and part of it is it is difficult to separate him from the lack of success for the Detroit Lions. Like, it's difficult. This is a great part of his story, but it's very difficult to completely remove him from – well, yeah, but – he was with the Lions. Like, I, I hear you, and I know he put up numbers anyway, but it's one thing to look at Calvin Johnson and see, no, this guy was better than everybody else. Matt Stafford was good. He was good. At times, really good. He put up a lot of numbers because they were getting their asses kicked and he had to keep throwing all day. And so we hold up these numbers, and some of them, I think, are empty. So I don't know. I'm just I'm just not gonna be I'm not driving that train. I'm not driving the, the Matt Stafford Hall of Fame train anytime soon. What else is on my list of things that I wanted to get to? Uh I talked about the Bengals offensive line. Uh there are people that are by the way, with that in mind, trying to relitigate the Jamar Chase thing just makes you look like an idiot. Jamar Chase appears to be an eternal talent. I get it. They had a terrible offensive line, and they could have drafted Penny Sewell, who was great for the Lions this season. I completely understand that. The idea that if they had done that, they definitely would have been in the same position, stop. You have no effing clue if the Bengals would have been able to do all the things they did this season if they had Penny Sewell instead of um, Jamar Chase. And what they have in Jamar Chase is an otherworldly football player. Stop it. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourselves. Like, stop. 
Um, I don't understand what they're doing on third. I mean, like everybody else, it makes no sense to be handing the ball off to Samaje P. Ryan if you're running the ball on third and one. I still think they got a bad spot. I thought they should have been able to. I thought they were. It was. I I couldn't believe they weren't measuring. I couldn't believe like I I thought P. Ryan was right on top of the line, and it felt like because the clock was running, the officials were like, "We got to get the spot and we got to go quickly because we don't want to give them the advantage of a free timeout here." But I thought that was absolutely worth in in the Super Bowl. 100% worthy of a spot. Even if you got to look at it again, make sure you get it right and let them make a decision from there to have your season on the line and call a play that requires you to get pass protection when you hadn't gotten any pass protection in the second half and like you don't get pass protection there, your your season's over. I have no idea what the thought process is there. That that to me is nuts. Drew Forrester is losing his mind over Joe Mixon being on the sideline. I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts. It makes no sense. It makes mm-hmm. absolutely no sense. Third and one. It's by the way, it was second and one. You had three plays to get one yard, and Joe Mixon didn't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's. I mean, it's with your season on the line. It's crazy. There's no. I can't get over that. It's crazy. I was rooting at that point for the game to go to overtime, just because the NFL deserved to have that thrown back into their face one more time. Um, that needs. You know. I, we are already three weeks removed, and the conversation has already dissipated because it's who we are as a people. We just we forget things. Shiny red ball. We look at something else. Um, they didn't ask anything about it. The, the commissioner at the press conference last week, and it seems like the NFL is just going to be happy to sort of say, eh, sorry, too bad. We're going to keep it the same way that it's been. Um, we talked about halftime. Uh I got nothing else. Oh, the odds uh, are out for uh, Super Bowl next year. The futures, we'll talk about that more on Simply the Bets this week. Simply the Bets, every Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Joined by Bruce Billick, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, and by Aaron Oster from VEASAN, every Wednesday morning at 11.30 a.m. for Simply the Bets. Uh, the Chiefs and Bills are co-favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. If there was a team that I put a couple of bucks down on, it would be the 49ers. That that conspiracy theory that Mike Florio threw out over the weekend that Tom Brady is like keeping his options open because he still wants to finish his career in his hometown is is just juicy enough for me that them sitting there at 50, plus 1,500 I'd throw a couple bucks on the 49ers. Just throw a couple on it if you're headed down to the FanDuel Sportsbook this week. And the commercials sucked. God, the commercials were awful last night. The Larry David one was wonderful. I like that one. I like the NFL cartoon one. I don't even remember that one. That was the one where all the they all came out. It started with a, a high snap over Lamar Jackson's head. All the cartoons uh, come to yeah, the TV. Yeah. That was wildly entertaining. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. All right, when we come back in, we'll talk about all of it with Jeremy Kahn. Uh, he's next, of course, 105.7 The Fan. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD Gambling help.org that first sip 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill. If you haven't tried them, you're an insane person. They should send you somewhere to seek mental evaluation. They are so, 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 so good. The smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill will make you say to yourself, I don't need no, – the, let the, the, the prices of um, regular wings continue to skyrocket. I'll never need them again in my life. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in and try those delicious smoky thigh wings. When I think of thighs, I always think of our next guest. He is our friend Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan. What's going on, brother? How are you? Well, arguably, my thighs are the best thing about me. All that right. and my dumper. That's so, you know, like the dump. if you're if you're crediting dump. me with anything, I think those would be the first two things you think about. Or my bedroom blues, you know, right. the, the eyes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Those, I get lost so. in them sometimes. Those beautiful <laughs> baby blues. Hey, I know uh, I know nobody uh, nobody let you know. I, I got bad news for you. The, the minus four didn't hit, Jeremy. I know yeah, well, I know you were wondering. I, I don't know and, why that – it's like it's, it's this passive-aggressive thing that people do where they want to let you know that your bet didn't work out and like, Hey, it doesn't look good, man. Cool. Like, <laughs> that, it's right. the Super Bowl. It's you're, not like I'm watching and I didn't know that. Right. You're, the, you're the only tweet. guy watching the Super Bowl today. Thanks for the, yeah, and, you know, the, the explanation I was giving to somebody else, it's like, uh, it's like trying to tell people why, why you're not racist. It ends up making you sound more racist. You know what I mean? Like it's the, the thing that, that typically happens, but, Oh, I got a ton of black friends and I got this, and right. whatever. When you're telling people why you lost the game and you think you're on the right side, um, that's something that it ends up coming across like sour grapes, but you know, I really did feel like I was on the right side. Cincinnati didn't do anything in the second half and they got, they were very fortunate with the way that, uh, everything broke for them with, um, 
you know, not the, the pass interference call. I think OBJ going down in the, what was that, second quarter, first quarter? Kind yeah. Of, somewhere in, in, in the beginning of the game, and then the missed extra point, which ultimately would have ended in, in a push, and I would have taken that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like sometimes things just don't work out, and bad luck, but, uh, you know, you write it off and you go to the next one, but it, it just, it sucks. It sucks because I love that game so much, and, and you feel like you pegged it, you got it right, and then you end up on the wrong side. I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to pile on, but you compelled me so much last week that I changed my pick, and I went with the Rams, too. You were, yeah. you were like a gospel preacher, man. Like, it felt like I was at, like, my cousin's black church, and I was listening to you talk. You were so confident that I was like, yeah, what am I talking about? I'm betting the Rams. I still haven't got your seed. Are you sending your seed in? Yeah. Yeah. Anything you can do to help out. Get your 10%, 100%, man. My God. But you you get what I'm saying about the game. Trust trust me. I I know. Cincinnati in the second half had three first downs. Oh, I'm aware. Everything that we thought was going to happen with their offensive line is exactly what ended up happening. But uh, combine that with a missed extra point, and there we are. There we are. Every time I hear it, it makes me laugh and cry at the same time. Oh, it's so <laughs> like, insane. Come on. Just so insane. It wasn't even a missed extra point. They bobbled the snap. Uh, like, I, how many times this year have there been a bobbled snap? I hit on three props last night that I felt really good. I mean, the one was – if you're not betting on Cooper Cup as an anytime touchdown scorer, you, you, just, you hate money. Like, you just – it's free money. They just want to give you – um, I also hit on that uh, sack trifecta: Trey Hendrickson, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald all having at least one nice. sack. Got that at five to one, and I hit on the over for Evan McPherson's points. Um, I hit on that, so I felt pretty good about all those. What's the best thing that you hit on last night? It's... Um, so in the game, it was funny watching the national anthem as I had the over, and people were asking me about the number I had on press spots. I got that off of a, a prop bet sheet when I was trying to find all the different props, and then you always search for the best price possible, but Anyway, it was at 98 seconds on that sheet, but it technically it was 104 and a half, 104 and a half. And I'm watching going, man, Mickey's kind of pushing through this thing. It's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> like I'm looking at it and then thank God for that last note. Oh. As you hang on forever and I'm watching the seconds tick off and, Okay, and then and then you just want to be sure too. Like, did I start it exactly when she started singing? Was I a, you know, a split second off? So you wanted to go over by like two or three seconds, and it did. What? So, so yeah, that what? was a good one. And and then the other one um, that I was on it was the same thing that you had. I had Leonard Floyd with a sack, and he was plus one thirty, and he got that. There so you go. I mean, there were a couple I felt good about. There you go. All right. So what do you? Uh, Jeremy Khan is with us, and of course, you see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Do you just go back to basketball and or or do you attempt to like throw a bet in on the Daytona? I I there's a chance that I'm going to be hanging out at the casino this Sunday down at live uh for the Daytona 500 on like I I can't fathom betting on it. But are you the type that's like, "Nah, hell, give me I, I, we know how much money you've made betting golf in recent years. Will you attempt yeah. to like bet something like the Daytona 500?" It all depends cuz like, look, I I, I I'm in a lot of different circles with conversation. Like there's discord chats, there's, you know, websites that I use for information and then you'll get tips. Like, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see something like for all year long when I'm doing, I was doing my Sunday show. I did a segment called way down on the hole where it was like advanced research on a matchup. Um, like one of the best ones I gave out was Kirk cousins against man defense. When Minnesota was playing Arizona, that he had like one of the highest ratings against man defense with his offense. And, um, sure enough, they ended up covering the spread. Remember, they missed a field goal that could have won them that game early on, uh, the chip shot. But, but you know, like when you find a nugget like that that it works out, it feels great. So, like I'm, I'm traveling a bunch of those circles, and because I play so much daily fantasy, 
Um, like golf would be something I would more or less take a flyer on, even though it's a really tough sport to bet unless you're doing the head to head stuff. Like, um, you know, Brooks Kepka versus Louis Oosthuizen and Kepka's minus 140 and how they finish, you know, like things like that, where I think there might be some advantages, but just picking an outright winner, like your guy could have the best day of his life and still manage to right. choke it out down the stretch and somebody pass him or, you know, um, something goofy happened. But with the Daytona 500, like NASCAR is so far out of my wheelhouse. I have bet it. And I actually won with, I think Denny McLean once, um, uh, Denny, where I Denny McLean's a, a golfer. Denny, oh, Hamlin. Denny, uh, Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, you're right. Denny. Yeah. Denny Nagel. Maybe it was not Denny. Maryland's own. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was definitely a Denny. But uh, <laughs> it was the moon's over Miami. I, I think it's so I good. It's about. so good. I but, got. Uh, I got the no, original <laughs> slam, and I was feeling really good about myself. <laughs> but no, Hamlin. I, I had him at like uh, I think it was ten to one, and I put a hundred bucks on him and won a grand once, and that's that's literally the only like NASCAR bet I've ever made, and I got lucky. So. All right, all right. You don't you don't have any tips for me if I go down there this weekend, do you? For NASCAR? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I got no. nothing. I got nothing, man. <laughs> like, Use your turn signal, right? Jackass. I'm literally going to be searching. Hey, where's Earnhardt on here? Where 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 is he on this list? Well, I heard he's good. I mean, that's that's probably what I'll like. I'll, a ton of NBA, a ton of college basketball. When we get to March Madness, um, like I, I love tournament time because then you can really start to figure out who's you know what teams are and, and uh, the point spreads and things like that, the totals and uh, just different things that people should and shouldn't look at as they're going to bet games. But primarily it's football, baseball, basketball. And that's the other thing that we, you know, we're, we're sitting here, football season ends. The Terps aren't very good, yep. um, even though they played well yesterday. Uh, you know, a lot is, of people oh, it was a statement cover yesterday. That was a statement that, cover. Well, they definitely covered. That was, yeah. that was my only loss on the games I picked outside of football yesterday was uh, I had Purdue. Um, but I had a, a hefty wager on Loyola Chicago, but, but all, all those things aside, like we're waiting for basketball to kind of get us to baseball. And now we don't know when baseball is going to start. So thanks a lot. Uh, um, you know, Rob Manfred and the rest of that crew for not getting it done yet. It's what it is. It's what it is. Jeremy Kahn with us here on uh, Glenn Clark radio. All right. A few things I want to cover with you. One, I, we were just talking, Paul and I, I, I thought the commercial sucked last night and mm-hmm. I, I felt like, and this is, I, I, this is a thing that I think that exists throughout culture anymore. Instead of being funny or good, we just default to like famous or you're aware of it. And, and nostalgia yeah. sort of qualifies in that way. Like if we just show you something that you recognize, you'll like it. It doesn't matter if it's actually good or not. The Larry David thing was funny. Like it was a funny yeah. premise. It played quite well. It was an excellent commercial for it. But so much of that last night just came off as, and I, I always call it the Jimmy Fallonification of society. Like, these are famous people or things you're aware of, so whatever they do, you'll like. And it it's just not actually good. Like, they're not funny. They're not remarkable in any way. They're just there. And and I thought, overall, they it was a, a complete bore from a commercial standpoint last night. It's yeah, when I looked at it, like the Larry David one's the perfect example you were talking about because I thought it was thought it was funny and clever, and to kind of take a Larry David line, this is how I felt about the commercials. Eh, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, it, it wasn't. It, they weren't great. The NFL one was was fine with uh, you know watching. I thought that was fun and clever, but it always is the nostalgia of some of the older players and little cartoon thing. Um, you know, but for the most part, it was just. Eh, I, I, there was nothing that really stood out to me. Going, oh, that's amazing now. Um, ironically, there were some, you know, I, I guess freshened up, if I should put it, movie trailers where they added some more details into it. Uh, whether you were watching, what was it, uh, Nope or 
Doctor Strange or yeah. um, you know Jurassic Park or whatever it may be. Um, I, I like some of the, that stuff. There, there were a few, like I, I just feel like they try too hard to be funny sometimes, or they make it just unbelievably endearing. Like, oh, this is uh, the most like whenever they put animals in the, the commercials, people love okay. the dogs. And love you know the what though? I, I I am a sucker for that because like the the stupid what was the one where the animals were doing an old hip hop? I don't remember which song it was, but like they had the animals doing the old hip hop song in a Doritos commercial. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I I'm a sucker for this. <laughs> I actually yeah. enjoy this. I can't even remember what the song was they were doing, but it was but, uh, it was Salt and Pepper. Was that what it was? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, was it Push It? No. I don't think it was. That's why I didn't. Shoop? No. I don't, I don't know that it was Salt and Pepper. I don't remember what it was. It was, and it was just a dumb, it was so dumb. You're like, why do I like this? What's wrong with me yeah. that I'm enjoying this right now? And maybe it was just because I thought the, the bar was so low. I got emotional over like the Chuck E. Cheese type band that was disbanded. And then they were like, where are these mascots going to go? And then they all get together <laughs> with the Oculus. <laughs> I, there was a point where I let up, oh, and Laura made fun of me. The wife made fun of me. I don't blame her. I don't blame her for that whatsoever. You deserve that. <laughs> Every ounce of that you deserve. Um, I, I Give me your pick, uh, uh, halftime show next year. My pick for the halftime show yeah. next year? Um, hmm. That's, well, and it was funny because with all that was going on here, I posted the uh, the meme where it said, "If you're stoked for the halftime show, then there's a pretty good chance you're due for a colonoscopy." Right? Yeah, and I enjoyed I that. Was, I was utterly shocked at two different types of people: either the people that came off unbelievably racist, or or the other people that um, that just didn't get the joke. Where it was like, "Oh uh, no, I'm 33. I don't need a colonoscopy yet." I'm like, "All right, well this this wasn't for you. This, you can." Keep on, keep it moving. This post was not for you. I love the halftime show. Um, I thought great. Kendrick Lamar was the best of the bunch. Um, personally, that's what I enjoyed the most. But uh, I, like, I don't even get people that are making fun of Fifty Cent, and some people are talking about how they all looked. It's like they're fifty. They're, I think they all look great for being fifty. God I, knows what I I'm going to look like. I am still struggling with the idea that Eminem and Snoop Dogg are the same age. Like I am. Yeah. That floored me in a way that I was not prepared for last night. My wife looked at me. She said, how old do you think? And she's like, how old do you think Eminem is? I was like, he's probably 45. She's like, how old do you think Snoop Dogg is? I'm like, well, he's got to be 60 at this point, right? Like, he just, we've always, I just think he looks good because he's Snoop Dogg. He smokes a bunch of weed, right? I look him up. I'm like, what the? They're the same age? How is that possible? Snoop looks weathered to me. Uh, maybe I don't know that much weed. It can't be. Good I don't know, man. I, I, it blew me the f away. I cannot believe. I, I feel like Snoop has been in my life for so much longer than Eminem has been in my life, right? Like, yeah. I feel like he's been in my life since I, since as long as I have memories. Like, I feel like he's been in my life since I was four years old. He's somehow only fifty years old. Good for him. It's remarkable that he's he's had this 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 longevity that he's had. But my God, I couldn't believe that was the case. Is there a Rooney role in rap where we have to accept like a white guy in every so often? Like uh, <laughs> we're gonna few do. years, there has to be someone that gets ultimately okay, popular. Okay, but but the the list is is Eminem and then what Jack Harlow and that's it. Like who else <laughs> would be Miller, on Mac well, Lamore? Well, he's gone unfortunately. Mac Lamore's not a rapper. Mac Lamore. No, still around. Uh, I don't think so. No, it's bu- what's Bubba Sparks up to these days? <laughs> they could give Paul him- Wall. Uh, I guess Little Dicky would count, unfortunately. Although I kind of feel like about Little Little Dicky, what I feel about Macklemore, which is like he's doing something and it's fine, and I like Little Dicky's show good enough, but like he's not really like a rapper like these people are rappers. Yeah. Like I'm not doing that bit, not whatsoever. Um. Uh. Okay. So, oh God, I had one other thing that I wanted to get to with you. I've forgotten what. Oh. Uh. uh did you watch Tinder? Uh, Tinder Swindler. 
No, I have to like I my wife watched it without me, which she she always yells at me for watching stuff without her. And she right. continuously watches things without me saying, "Oh, I didn't know you would like it because I know what she likes." And that's why I watch you know, some of the shows I watch without her. I know that's not not in her wheelhouse. But uh no, that's something I want to sit down and watch. Um I power watched Reacher this weekend, which I, I really enjoyed. I it. heard a lot of, of a lot of people were re- raving about Reacher this weekend. Yeah. I'll I'll get there eventually. I still have to get I still have to finish Peacemaker. Um, and I still haven't. Oh, even, I, that. I haven't even watched this season of Succession, so that's on my list. And then I'm a sucker for you know it's coming back soon, and I'm a sucker for is Mrs. Maisel. I love Mrs. Maisel. I think that's a tremendous oh, yeah. TV show. I think it's wonderful, and I can't wait to have it. Back really in my talented, life. yeah. Sure, that that one's good. Fleabag was good. I mean, there's a bunch of them that were yeah. really, you know, really well done. Um, and you know, like Sunday night programming. So since the Super Bowl was on last night, you know, at some point this week, I'll be catching up on all my HBO shows. I'll I'll stay. I've already put too much energy and effort into The Walking Dead. I'm going to watch this thing. Play I can't out believe you stuck. About I it. cannot believe you stuck it out with The Walking Dead. Well, I, I read can't. all the comic books, so there's a lot that I hate about what they did. Right, and I, I hate the fact that people try to make it seem like Negan was like the best bad guy that they in, in all of it, in my opinion. When they bring him in, and he has the most iconic moment, and people like to insinuate that's the moment that people went away. I think people went away when Rick Grimes left. So that's what I want to do. Yeah, that was a huge storyline, and then Carl and all the other stuff that happened, it's like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on here? This wasn't in the comic books. And then, like, realistically, there are people that are still alive that are dead in the comic books, and new characters that they just created, like Daryl's not even in the comic book. So it's just it's a kind of a whole crazy thing, but I got into it and read all of them. They had those compendiums, which were, like, really long books, like, like all the comic books put in it. And I read all of them, and I, and I loved it, but I'm not a big fan of the show. All right, and then my last one for you, on uh, in 2027, Super Bowl Sunday is slated to be on February 14th. How will Mrs. Khan handle that? Uh, we don't care anymore. Okay. You guys were giving me a hard time this morning because I said I was using a gift card to take my wife to dinner. Which I don't think anything makes her happier that I'm not actually spending money. Okay, she'd I, much rather stay home and save money. I, I don't think your wife should care about that. I absolutely think that wherever it is that you're going, they are going to lose their minds when they find out that you're using a gift card. Like they, <laughs> that that part will make you persona non grata at said establishment. I did um, well. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, you can make you. Can, I, I don't think the server will care. This is not like there are places where if you use a gift card on a Saturday night, they will hate you eternally. Like they will. Oh, yeah. You they on an average Saturday night, like just on a Saturday night in July, you show up at a certain place and you use a gift card. Like they remember you. They like they take a picture of you to make sure that, that everyone knows you are to never get good treatment there ever again just for using a gift card on a Saturday night. I don't mind when people use gift cards. I yeah. mind when people use gift cards and then tip on the total but after that. You're you're doing that from oh, a server's perspective. Yeah. From a server's yeah. perspective, just take you under, you got when you use a gift card, understand that you need to to handle what it is that you're doing with your well, server. I That's, used to love when Red Brick Station would have dollar beer night. You'd watch guys, they like their tab would add up, and at the end of the night, they'd spend, you know, so they had 10 beers. They're like, oh, there's a buck. Yeah, it's There's 10%. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Give yeah, you give him, you give him 10 bucks, time. correct. It, well, that's yeah. that. I think we all agree it's a dollar per beer, right? Like, Or at yeah. least a dollar per trip 
is the way I would say it. Like, if you get two Correct. beers when you go up, I'm fine with that being a dollar tip for the two beers. Your bartender should be getting a dollar every time they do something for you. It's always been the way that I've treated the bartender concept. Um, at, at the minimum, right? Like, you want to go above and beyond that to make sure. There, there's, like, the pimp hand thing, which is, like, you show up and you, you give them a 20 up front and then say, look, just take care of me tonight. And then when there's a crowded bar they come find you because you already took care of them. Like, you can do something along those lines. But I think it should be, a, however many times you go up, you get a dollar per trip for sure is the way that it would go. Yes, that's that's very exactly. much cheap. But I don't. I, I might line with them about the gift card thing on Valentine's Day, dude. Like, it's Valent. Come on. You can't, this, this, come on. I mean, I know you're doing fine. I know. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you missed a couple of bets last night. But other than that, you're doing fine. That's why I'm using the gift card. I miss those bets. No, like, if I have, I have a gift card that's actually getting ready to expire. And it's a nice play. Well, it's Fogo. So we like my wife knows I love Fogo, and we were talking about doing do love, that tonight. Do love Fogo. Um, but but that, you know all those things aside, like the, the if the gift card expires, okay, we gotta we we gotta we gotta talk about this though. Like and again, I, I realize that you and I are well past our prime, but Valentine's Day is still historically in the Clark household a night where there's a certain expectation for how the night is going to end. Yeah, that ain't happening to me after a trip to Fogo. Like I, there's not going to be any more night after a trip to Fogo. I'm going there, and I'm I'm walking out, and I'm passing out when I get home. Like there's yeah. there's not going to be any uh, a, a dessert waiting when when I get back to the the Clark household. Yeah, I want all the meat in my mouth, and that's dinner. Uh, you know, like it's, <laughs> right. that's, right. that's just Eats. dinner. Right. Um, but I, I totally get what you're saying there. But it was just uh, look when you've been mar- how long have you been married? Uh, I I got married in fourteen fourteen yeah is when I got married. Okay, I got married in twenty ten, and this is my second go right, around. Yes, so, you know, like there are things like Valentine's Day. Uh, a lot of times will seem just like another day in our household, and it's also it also depends on who your spouse is because there are some women that like that's my day, take me out. Treat oh me. oh, Mrs. My, my Clark wants all that. that. Girl. No, she wa- yeah. she still wants, and it's an obnoxious as hell, but she still wants all of that. Uh, however, to her credit, like two years ago, she did the pickle bouquet for me, which was just a ten and a half. I mean, it was just Grillo's pickles and mozzarella cheese, and it was—I mean, it was just wonderful. Like I, I'm like God, this is—I. That sounds amazing. I, I'm not gonna be able to complain for a long time, and that really sucks because I love complaining, man. But it was such a wonderful thing. Last year, she did like um, a heart worth of uh, a, a beef jerky. She like created this like <laughs> I, it was just. She, That's to awesome. her credit, she does really try because she expects. Like she expects something on Valentine's Day, and the trade-off is she puts a little effort into. And so I have some appreciation for that in my household. All right, what's coming I up? I think I have to do some laundry and stuff around the house. And you're good, yeah, right. That, they're very, Look what I folded. Oh my! <laughs> She's all hot and bothered. She's hot like, flashes. Take me now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. uh, uh, yeah, so for the most of the week, it's I think all of us back together again. Um, I know we're going to start looking at, uh, obviously, the Ravens offseason, uh, more Terps basketball, lots of NBA talks, still focusing on the Super Bowl and kind of what the landscape of the NFL is going to look like next year because it's going to be a hot mess uh, depending on what happens with Rodgers. Um, you know, we've uh, Brady retiring, if he's going to stay yeah, retired, right. Russell Wilson, and now the Kyler Murray stuff that came up. So. Uh, yeah, correct. That's what's still mostly going to be football talk. That's the way that it kind of works in this business. So funny. No yeah, that. I mean, look, we'll we'll get in. The thing I love about us is that we'll get off on a tangent and it'll turn into guy talk. And right. Before you know it, we're talking about bathroom etiquette instead of yeah. And you I'm, know, I'm 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 in favor of that. I'm in favor yep. of it. 
All right, buddy. At JamieCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. JamieCon1057, the fan, joining us as he does every Monday here on GCR. Ooh, the only thing that didn't go well for me last night. Well, okay, two things didn't go well for me. Obviously, if I lost our picks contest. Kyle had the Rams. I don't know what we would have done if 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 or Kyle had the Bengals. Sorry, if the Rams had made that extra point, if the number had been four, we didn't really come up with a plan for what we did at that point. We had no backup plan to our backup plan. Just would have been a push. But uh, sadly for me, that's not the case. So everybody owes uh, 25 bucks to Kyle, and I said uh, everybody's got until 10 o'clock on Sunday night in order to pay it, and that means that I would be paying him in, uh, 9.59 on Sunday night because that's the courtesy that he always extended to me over the years. So that's the way that it will work, but the rest of the boys need to get their money in for Kyle. The other thing, I had the over in my underdog matchup. I had the over on Cooper Cup uh, receptions for the game. The number was 8.5. And that son of a bitch didn't even try to get a half catch at any point during the course <laughs> of the night. I'm still mad about that. All I needed was one more half catch. <sighs> Finished with eight. Super Bowl MVP, my fanny. But I still had a great time playing underdog fantasy football, and you, of course, will as well. And just because football season is over doesn't mean you can't play underdog any longer. They have so many other games and opportunities available for you. Basketball with hockey, Hopefully there will be an option moving forward with baseball. They were really excited about the progress and the Saturday talks, huh? What a joke of a proposal. That's why I, I thought the, the the initial optimism that I had was completely the, – the points that were being made by the players, they said, if you got an offer, just tell us. Mm-hmm. Made me realize, oh, they they know. They know. They know there's nothing here. They know that this is all about – owners pandering and trying to make it look like they're doing something the players knew this is not a thing and that's it's, why they started tweeting what they tweeted last week where they were like go ahead tell us don't don't wait till saturday if you got a real offer tell us now let's get this done your your spring training is supposed to be starting today and you're still in the midst of a peeing contest and th- that's what this is at this point it's a joke that they, they honestly need to get an independent mediator in there and just have him say I, this is what it is i disagree with the independent mediator i completely disagree well, they with can't that. agree to anything but it's the, never gonna get done the, the point being like we we can try to both sides this and to some extent we're gonna both sides it because we don't feel bad but like it's very clear these aren't legitimate offers that are coming from the owners. They are not. So all. for the owners to turn around and suggest an independent arbiter is a joke. It's a joke that you're you're not making good faith arguments. Right. You're not making a good faith offer to say, well, we've tried everything we can do. Like, no, one side has. One side is given. The other side is not. Stop it. If you're not going to give, what are we doing here? You just don't want the games to be played. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely understand where you know Drew and I when Drew was in here last week we talked about this. The Trey Mancini's of the world have no choice. You can try to be mad at these players and say like, well, at some point you know you probably have made too much money or something along. You can say whatever it is that you want to say, but this is they have a union because of this, because somebody else was willing to fight before them and take the heat, and that's the way it's going to work. These guys have to take the heat. They have to continue this. They can't just bend and say, all right, fine, we'll just do it for the sake of playing baseball because we understand what's at risk here. The owner should understand that too. I don't feel sympathy towards the players in any sort of way, right? Like, they're all very wealthy. 
But like the thing last week where the uh, the owners like, well, we shouldn't have to pay minor league players during spring training. The f is that? Like, what in the world? Well, I was I was listening. I thought it came off poorly. I thought it came off as him defending the owners. But I was listening to um, Rich Dubroff talk about this um, the other day. And I didn't realize, apparently they don't pay anybody for spring. They pay your expenses at spring training. And you don't start getting paid till the season starts. But they they just pay for expenses. So I think in that light, they're like, well, why should we pay you now when we don't pay the major league players for spring training? Uh, so I can see the argument there, but it's a bad look, to, especially when you're negotiating a, a new CBA to come out there and say, we're not going to pay the minor league players for spring training. It's a terrible look. And when that's been a hot topic issue for right. the last couple of years, it's an insane look to put that out publicly in the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, we do need to think about this. Hey, yeah, there are people that do profit from spring training games. Like spring training isn't just, it's one thing if it's just part of the, hey, we send a bunch of guys down there. They, you know, take take some at bats. They are charging ticket prices for these games. That's true. There is profit being made from spring training baseball. And you could say, well, the minor league players, you know, the minor league spring training games don't make a profit. Nobody's buying tickets to those. You have the minor league players play in the major league games. That's who you send on the road. So that in Dunedin, the Blue Jays can make money. You send your minor leaguers there. There's a profit being made. The players have every right to say, if there's somebody's making a profit, we need to get a part of that. Mm-hmm. That's the way this works. My God, man. It's just all it's breathless. It's insane. It's nuts. But if they do play baseball again, there will be games available at Underdog Fantasy Football. And you can still use that code PRESSBOX. Make your first deposit. We'll match it up to $100. UnderdogFantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. We'll come back in. We'll get tidbit and tubular or wind down for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. That's CIAA Tournament.org. That's CIAA Tournament.org. 
The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. And if, you know, Stan the Fan, as always, has great shows for you, including tonight, where he and Ross Grimms are going to catch up with former Orioles pitcher Dave Johnson. That will be this evening on Facebook Live. And if you miss it, you'll be able to find it tomorrow by going to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and clicking on the Videos tab or by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Stan had a really busy week. It was four shows for you last week. If you missed any of them, find them in the same locations. And again, Dave Johnson tonight talking some baseball with Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley. Fair point, uh, Paul. The problem with movie trailers during the Super Bowl was that the movie companies had already released the same trailers online prior to the Super Bowl back in 99, watching Broncos Falcons Super Bowl and seeing the Matrix trailer for the first time. That was awesome. I feel like that's the same thing with a lot of the commercials anymore, is that like they leak out the commercials the week of the Super Bowl. So if you care that much about it, you've probably already seen. Most of us just don't care all that much, and like we're not going out of our way to try to see them. So, like for example, I didn't know... Um, I had not watched the Jurassic Park trailer before last night, so I had no idea that. Um, oh God, what uh, Laura Dern and um, oh, what's the guy's name? No idea. Sam O'Neill is that who it is? Sam O'Neill. Yeah. I had no idea they were back. I only know him from the Jurassic Park. Uh, I know I've seen him in other stuff, but I, when I see that his face, all I think is Jurassic Park. What the hell is, is that? Who is it? Sam O'Neill. I'm trying to make sure that that's who it is. Uh, Sam Neill, not Sam O'Neill. Sam Neill. And I don't think they actually showed Jeff Goldblum, but his voice is in it. Well, he was in the last one, so that's not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. Remember, he popped up at the end of the last one. So yeah, I mean, I think we kind of knew that was going to be the case. So that one, but the we had no. I don't. I don't think. I mean, maybe that had been out there for a long time that like they were coming back, and you know, I heard about a a while. I I just don't. At no point, like when when we were watching last night, my wife and I looked at each other like, whoa. I I just. It had somehow escaped me. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm the biggest Jurassic Park fan on the face of the planet, but I I always go see them whenever they come out, mm-hmm. and I frankly have thought the Jurassic World flicks have been fine. Dinosaur flicks. Um, New Kingdom wasn't great. The second, the the last one that came out, I wasn't the biggest I fan. It was of good. That. I thought it was fine. I mean, like I I don't think it was otherworldly, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a, a a quite viable blockbuster worth making a trip to the Cinemaplex to see it type of film. And so I'll do the same thing for the next one. So, I, again, if I was a bigger fan, I probably would have known these things all along. But because I'm only a casual fan, when I saw that trailer, I was like, holy crap, how did I miss this? Like, I was I was quite excited about the fact that Laura Dern was back. But, again, it required me not paying attention in order to know because I had seen online all last week that there was a new trailer out for the flick, 
And I just sort of had avoided it. Mm-hmm. And if I had watched it one time, I would have already had the answer and there would have been no shock value for me during the course of the Super Bowl. But it did pre- present that where I was like, oh, cool, that's neat. Laura Dern, I'm excited. But, you know, it's because I'm a dope now. I'm that, I'm that, I'm that years old is that I'm, I, I'm, I, something exists and everybody knows about it and I'm still the guy that's like watching the Super Bowl like, hey, like I'm that guy. I, I enjoyed the Cable Guy commercial with um, Jim Carrey uh, that for came, Verizon. That came off to me just as nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. The Austin Powers thing came off as just nostalgia like for too. nostalgia's sake. I like, I, just because I like these things, you still have to go be funny. You can't mm-hmm. just be, here's a reminder. Like, I think if you wanted to poke a hole in the thing The Rock did before the game, you could say, what did it, what did it really add? I thought it was just a, a neat way to say, look, the game's starting right now. Mm-hmm. We've done all the pomp and circumstance. Now we're starting the game. He didn't need to keep going after he intro- once he had introduced the teams. It could have just ended right there. Right, and it's a little bit more awkward because they're clearly trying to do a Michael Buffer thing, but like he doesn't have a "Let's get ready to rumble." Like he, mm-hmm. that's not. He's got a lot of catchphrases, but like he's not going to do Rudy Poo Candy Ass. <laughs> if like, you smell what the rock. Is right, doing. like a, that doesn't really make sense for starting a football game. Mm-hmm. So instead, he kind of kept going with it, and you were like, "All right, this expired." But The Rock doing a big voice and the whole thing, like that kind of worked for me in the cinema of kicking off the Super Bowl. I was like, this is, I'm, I kind of dig this. But it still sort of falls in the category of it's not actually funny, it's just kind of there. And that's what I would say about the majority of the commercials. They weren't funny, they were just there and they reminded you of things that you liked. So you're like, that's pl-. the best Super Bowl commercial of, of recent memory for me was the whatever the Verizon one was where the dad looks at the kid and is like, what are you, a cop? Like, I, I've, I've laughed with my teeth out about that commercial. And it was so, nobody famous involved. It was just a funny premise of a father. I, God, I got to remember exactly what the. I like the Doritos time machine one where he comes out and he goes, Timmy, yeah, you're so yeah, old. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it wasn't Verizon. Maybe it was another cell phone company. Um. And, of course, I can't find it now. I can't find it now. Just from a couple years ago, he just looks at his kid and he's like, what are you, a cop? And I just, I laughed my teeth out. It was so funny. But it was such a, that didn't need to be, a, you didn't have to spend $6 billion making the commercial. You just had to make something that was funny. Mm-hmm. Scoop, there it is, worked. And I think everybody thinks because Scoop, there it is, worked. If we just bring back something nostalgic, that makes it work. It worked because you created a premise, because it was a silly play on a song, and you were like, damn, this is wonderful. And the guy throwing the sprinkles up in the air, it wasn't just here's tag team, Mm -hmm. because if you just gave us here's tag team, we'd all say, who cares? But they came up with something that was clever and unique. Just having nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, that's nothing to me. Using that nostalgia and coming up with something funny and clever, that'll always work. All right. Old man, I'm yelling at the cloud. I get it. I'm shaking my fist in the direction of a cloud, and I apologize for it. All right. Uh, Tidbit brought to you today by this print issue of Pressbox. Final days. It's gone. Come Wednesday. We've come Wednesday. We got a new print issue of Pressbox. So if you want this one, the best of issue, you got to get out to your neighborhood Royal Farms right now and pick it up. Because on Wednesday, we will have the issue that celebrates the 20th anniversary of Maryland's Basketball National Championship. Go get this one with Justin Tucker on the cover for the next two days before it's gone forever. 
Last night in Super Bowl 56, despite throwing two picks, one of which really wasn't his fault, Matthew Stafford put on a solid performance, completing 65% of his passes for 283 yards and three touchdowns. On the night, Stafford targeted seven different pass catchers and completed at least two passes to each player targeted. His three touchdown passes made him the 21st quarterback in NFL history with at least three touchdown passes in the Super Bowl. Not very rarefied air. But did you know that Stafford became the first Super Bowl winning quarterback to throw three touchdown passes in his victory and not win the MVP award? I didn't know that. I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that. Had I he, thought about it, but sure. Had he won the MVP award, he would have been just the fourth Super Bowl MVP to throw multiple interceptions in the game that he won the MVP award. Sure. Who are the three quarterbacks to throw two or more interceptions in the Super Bowl and still win I MVP? I genuinely don't know, but I'm going to guess uh, Ben Roethlisberger. No. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He threw two picks in Super Bowl 49. Also, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger ever won a Super Bowl MVP. Oh, that's right. He wasn't MVP. He played really right. poorly in all that's the Super right. Bowls. It wasn't so much that he played poorly. He just sort of was there. Yeah, you know, like... Uh, MVP, MVP that three. Um, okay, so Joe Montana. No. This guy's in the Hall of Fame, but he's thrown almost as many touchdowns as interceptions. Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, three yeah. interceptions in Super Bowl fourteen. You have one more, and this is not really an obvious choice because he's not known for throwing picks. <sighs> okay. Mahomes. Oh, it's Mahomes. Okay. I guess I, that hint was too easy. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, two interceptions in Super Bowl 54 despite winning the MVP. All right. Very good. Uh, Tubular is brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Just because football season's over doesn't mean there isn't money to be made when you get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And right now, they are still offering, if you have not signed up for the Live Rewards Program yet, I would encourage you to do that because you can win your share of $10,000 cash just by signing up. New Live Rewards members can also receive up to $20 in free play just by signing up. Sign up by March 31st. The cash drawings are on April 1st. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland in Hanover. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular. Actually kind of a busy night on the night after the Super Bowl, including a lot of local college hoops. Coppin State's on national TV tonight. They take on North Carolina Central at 7 on ESPNU. The Maryland women are on national TV. They're at Iowa. Caitlin Clark is worth the watch. That's at 9 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, a matinee for UMBC there at New Hampshire at 4 o'clock on ESPN3. Morgan hosts South Carolina State tonight at 7.30. You can watch it on their website. All the other college basketball, you can go to glennclarkradio.com and find it there. Pistons Wizards, 7 on NBC Sports Washington. NBA TV has Spurs Bulls at 8, Warriors Clippers at 10.30. Olympics across the NBC networks, and it includes uh, on CNBC tonight after 8, the USA-Switzerland matchup in men's curling. Uh, Sci-Fi Network for WWE Monday Night Raw, and yeah, there you go. That's the sports part portion, the non-sports portion. Uh, Seth Rogen is going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live at 11.35 tonight. Um, 911 Lone Star at 8 o'clock on Fox, followed by The Cleaning Lady at 9. Um, the Gilded Age on HBO, American Dad at 10 o'clock on TBS, followed by Close Enough at 10.30, and Snowpiercer on TNT at 9. Very good. Thanks today to... 
um, Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Jackie McWilliams, the commissioner of the CIAA, as well as Kadri Isma. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow, Patrick Stevens will join us. Also speaking college basketball, Terry Nolan Jr., one of my favorites, uh, Baltimore's own, and uh, Towson basketball is flying. They pasted Eline by like a 1,000 points on Saturday. Um, they're a game back of UNC Wilmington with a big showdown matchup coming up this week on national TV. So we will talk to Terry Nolan about that. And, of course, stuff and things, as always. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the CIAA Tournament, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Uh, go UMBC, go Morgan, go Coppin, go Maryland women. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>